welcome to the 220th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I recently (laughs) talked about the first uh, few issues of All-Star Batman and Robin by Frank Miller and Jim Lee. And then I decided to shift gears, and we're currently looking at Ultimate Spider-Man. So, like, where it all begin, Ultimate Universe, classic uh, Spider-Man, Brian Michael Bendis, Mark Bagley, fun stuff. So you can hear about that, and sometimes I talk about movies and other things. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. Excuse me. I was holding that burp and <laughs> hopefully you didn't hear it. I could edit that, but I'm, I'm, I don't, that's, I don't do that. <laughs> so that is a ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. <laughs> so this week, uh, I'm not sure how, how I'm, I'm always like trying to ballpark it. Like I've been shooting for three hours, you know, the, the past few weeks. So it's hard to say where this is going to go because there's like some extra things that I'm adding. I'm going to talk just a little bit about Army of Thieves. I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but I finally watched it last last weekend, not this past weekend. And then there was Batman Year One, the commemorative edition that just came out on 4K. So I'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, then there's, you know, the season finale, Doom Patrol season. Uh, was there another season finale? I guess there wasn't. Uh, there was Legends of Tomorrow. Which, yeah, we'll talk about that. I'm going to keep talking about that, I guess, because uh, there's not a whole lot of other shows. But uh, there was Chucky. Uh, this week's Chucky, I, I really enjoyed it, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a bit. We have a new show starting up that started actually last week, so I'm going to be a week behind. I think I mentioned Dexter New Blood. So by the time you listen to, to this, episode two is out Episodes air Sunday nights, and I post these. You know, I have everything ready to go by Sunday night, uh, which is like technically midnight Eastern time, Monday, and so forth. So we're gonna be a week behind. It gives you a, a chance to watch it if if you plan on watching it. That that's my excuse for for being a, a week behind. And then the the big movie feature. I thought I wasn't gonna go to the theater. I ended up going to the theater, and I saw Red Notice. Even though it's on, a, it's a Netflix movie, but it was showing at my theater. So I'm like, hey, I'm gonna, I went early. I went and saw it. So you can hear about all that. Uh, what about the news? I'm not going to say if I think there's a lot or not because I, I usually when I say there's not a lot of news, and it ends up talking like twice as long or whatever. The big thing we had a Disney Plus day on Friday. And I think they did it differently this year. It, it was I didn't really watch anything because I remember last year they they did this whole big production and and maybe let's see, I'm trying to think why why it was so different then. But I remember watching it. It was while I was working during my prep period, which you know I, I was doing it. At, I was I was grading papers or something like that. But so I was able to watch like the live stream of it. But I don't know if there was an actual live stream or not. I read some things that there was supposed to be, but then when I looked, I was like, where is this live stream supposed to... So I don't know if there actually was, but a bit bit of news that that came out. So if you go to Disney+, Plus, if you have Disney+, Plus, you can watch like this... uh, 
how long was it? It's like 10 minutes. I don't even know, 15, 14 minutes. I don't know why I have 14 minutes. I might have the, the Taylor Swift all too well short movie in my head. That's like a 14, 15 minute uh, video, which is, it's, it's, a, it's not really news. You should watch it if, if you're a Taylor Swift fan, because that, that was a really, really good uh, short film. Um, very powerful. So, um, won't talk anymore about that. But with the the Disney Plus thing, it was weird because when you start watching it, they they show like WandaVision, Captain America, and Winter Soldier, and Loki. It's like, wait, this is a, yeah. I get you're you're saying that this is Disney D Plus Day 2021 or whatever, but it's like we've seen all this stuff. So it's like I was like, okay, fast forward, you know, plus ten seconds, plus ten seconds, and then finally it gets to the Hawkeye segment. And, you know, like the, I, I don't know how much was new to this little clip here versus the last trailer. I'm, I'm sure it was there was a bit because this wasn't really like a trailer. I didn't watch the last trailer because I didn't want to watch the last trailer because I, I want to watch the, the episodes when they start. Not this week, the next coming week. Coming week? Not, yeah, not this week, next week. And so you get what I'm saying. Anyway, so what we see, it's uh, it was pretty cool. Um, it, I'm, it got me even more excited. You know, I, I'm, I, super excited for the show to begin with. You know, I always say, you know, Jeremy Renner wouldn't have been my my top casting pick, but he he does a really good job as Hawkeye, and I think this series is going to really show that. You know, because when you think back, he's done a good job, and. It's almost like it's been kind of like a like he's subtly been doing a good job, and we just don't. Or at least for me, it's like I haven't really. I, I notice it, but I like I don't realize it, even though I notice it. And then we have Haley Steinfeld, which I'm I'm excited for her to be Kate Bishop. And you know, we see a scene. I don't think it's spoilers or whatever. I I don't know what's out there, what's not. But like she starts off like in a Ronin like costume suit, so that that's gonna be interesting to to see how you know he goes to track her. And I think that was in another trailer where he hears reports about it and he goes to investigate it and he finds her or whatever. And then you know there, there's some stuff with the bros following them and everything like that. So big car chase and explosions and trick arrows. So so that's I, I'm really excited for that. So it starts on the twenty fourth, I believe. Right, and they're dropping two episodes. So I'm like, oh, two episodes, but I don't. I have that week off of, of, of school, so I'm gonna be able to watch it. I don't know if I will stay up. Maybe I will. St- I don't know if I'll stay up and watch both of them at midnight. Yeah, that's that'd be no. Because then the next day is wait. That's Wednesday. So it'd be no. It'd be Tuesday, right? Tuesday at midnight. Hmm. Anyways, uh, then there was a tiny bit. I was like, wait, like are we going to get a, a Moon Knight teaser or trailer? We like, like what, 10 seconds, 15 seconds? I don't know. It fell so short. But, you know, we, we get to see a little bit. We get glimpses, like pe- tiny peeks at the costume. Not really. It does almost look like that leaked uh, image that I was like, I don't know if this is real. Just the way the way it was watermarked looked fake. I, I, I don't know if I went into it then. I'm not going to go into it again why I didn't agree that that was... I don't think that's how they would mar- watermark it. They would watermark it like up the yin-yang. You know, it would be like across the screen. It'd be like each person, like your login credential, your email or whatever would be watermarked all over. That's how it's usually done. 
Anyways, um, but the, it almost looks like there you can kind of see like the, the tile and the whatever. So maybe it was real because, you know, we don't get a full look at the costume. But there is a, you know, a part where they're really playing like on a different personalities because there is a part like a reflection in his mirror and then he kind of moves. But then there's kind of like two other reflections in there. So I thought that was a, a nice little, little, little touch there. And then there's just a part where he's just it, I think pretty sure he's in costume, if I remember correctly. And he's just like pounding on someone on the ground so you know it's going to get a, get a little, little violent there and there is also a scene that you see later in this montage whatever trailer clip thing where where like mark specter like he's in the street and he beat up like three or four guys and, and you kind of get the impression like he doesn't realize what he he's like wait, wait what's going on where am i and there are these guys knocked you know lying on the ground like knocked out and he doesn't even know that he beat him up and I hate when that happens when you're just like, oh, wait, did I do that? <laughs> did I do that? <laughs> I don't want to do that. So that was cool, really cool. We got a, got a short clip of She-Hulk. So we, we see Jennifer Walters and we see uh, – we get a, a good amount look at She-Hulk. We see the green and the muscles and like kind of like we see like the legs and from the back and everything. We don't like see the front of her or her face and everything. And what we see, you know, Professor Hulk, Smart Hulk, Mark Ruffalo there. So that's going to be cool. And then there's a little bit of Miss Marvel. And it really looks like, you know, it's going to kind of be her, like her origin and everything like that. Ms. Marvel is being pushed back to later in 2022. So we don't know when that was supposed to happen. I think that was, I thought that was supposed to come out like before Hawkeye. Because I was under the impression that it was going to be what if ends and then... Because, you know, we, we basically, we, no, I think, don't think it started right after Loki. But it, it seemed like we were going to get what if, and then boom, Ms. Marvel, and then boom, Hawkeye leading us to the end of the year. But that didn't happen. And I'm I'm okay, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know why they had to delay it. Delay it if you have to. You know, if, if there's a logistical reason, go ahead and do that. Uh, you know, I'd rather you delay it than crank it out and have it not be what it should be. So I, I'm okay with that. As far as the trailers, the clips that we see, it, it looked okay. I mean, it, it's going to be a cool show, and it's I I feel like it's going to be groundbreaking, you know, for certain reasons because you know her her race and religion or you know, and uh, it just I my concern is it might fe- I mean she does seem a little young, which is good because you know we want a young character to that can grow into the role and and so forth. I just worry that it, if it's going to be geared to be like a teeny bopper show, you know, whatever. So we'll see. But I'm, I'm sure it, it's going to be cool. And then there is a bunch of like coming soon stuff. There's like a I am Groot. I don't know if I, that almost seemed like that was separate from the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. And then we had, you know, they, they teased what if season two, um, Echo, Loki season two. What is really cool because... Uh, uh, Rich, uh, my friend Rich, he faithful listener Rich, he said uh, there's gonna be a Spider-Man cartoon because you know I'm, I'm working and he's like messaging me when, you know when things are coming up, and I was just like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, Spider-Man cartoons lately, eh. you know I, the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoons, I can't remember how, like Venom or Venom Wars or whatever it was. So I'm like, okay, here we go again. If it's not spectacular Spider-Man, you know, I, whatever, I'm I'm not, I don't care. But <laughs> then I saw uh, Leonardo Romero. He tweeted. I think he tweeted. Uh, was on Twitter. I saw it on his Twitter. He's he said, "I can finally talk about it. I'm the character designer on the show." I'm like, "Holy 
bleep. Holy crap. Because uh, his art is, I love his art. It's just, there's something about it. I just, I just want to like hug his art. It's just the, the way he draws his characters and everything. And so you, you see a tiny, tiny little bit, you know, the logo kind of rips away and you see like uh, Peter Parker with her. So that's going to be cool. Spider-Man uh, freshman year. Then we have Ironheart coming up. Um, Agatha House of Harkness. Which, um, okay, that'll be interesting. And um, I think, wait, wait, no, then there was a, ar- wait, I said Armor Wars, Marvel Zombies, Secret Invasion, and we see a glimpse of, of Nick Fury. And and so, so it's good. we got a lot to look forward to. So much Marvel content. Some people would say too much. I'm just like, you're crazy. And if you think it's too much, don't watch it. Because I, I will devour and consume every bit of Marvel content that they come out. Because I've been enjoying it. Um, there is also a Simpsons plus anniversary short. So while I love the Simpsons, I just, I, I, I haven't been keeping up and I think it goes back, which is kind of embarrassing. I think the last season I was, I was watching was season 24 and I ended up getting a little bit behind. They were like building up on my DVR. And then this is the infamous moment. I've, I've talked about this so many times. Actually, there's, there's two times I lost things. One time the DVR died. The other time we switched uh, whatever and we had to get a new DVR. And so both time, both situations, I lost anything that was on the DVR. So while there was like a seasons of oh, practically a whole entire season of The Simpsons, i pretty sure it was season 24. I think it was season 24. And then... Then I was like, "Well, I I can't I can't watch season twenty five if I haven't watched season twenty four because of continuity, which doesn't apply to The Simpsons. But yeah, so I I've missed so many. It's just a matter of time. Like I don't even know when it's currently on. I don't think is it is it on yet? Because what about like the Halloween special and, and everything like that? But the the Disney Plus shorts, like the little five minute clips, usually have been Maggie. I've been watching those. So the Plus anniversary one, eh? You know the the last one he did the Loki one. That was that was fun fun. I wouldn't say necessarily say funny. It was fun. This one, there's a couple chuckling moments. You know, and there's a lot of a lot of crossover. So they're embracing the fact that it's Disney, which is great. You know, I I, I like that they can do this, really make fun of everything, and not have to worry. I guess not worried as much. So, yeah, it was just I didn't really like it that much. So that's all, all the Disney stuff. I think that's it. Oh, uh, one thing I didn't mention because I was kind of saving it. Uh, there was also news of X-Men 97. That's going to happen. May, I, I don't know. Was it 2023? Something like that. So it looks like X-Men the animated series is coming back. They're doing a revival. Which is awesome. So this is going to be actually the first Marvel Studios X-Men whatever done. So I, I think that that's great. Uh, I know that the writer, I think the original, like, or whatever, they they did a pitch. And I'm not really sure how heavily involved they are with it. I think maybe they're producing or doing something. But I think that's awesome. I mean, you want to get them in because they, they're still passionate about, about them. You know, I'm following them on Twitter uh, the, the writer's account, whatever it is. <laughs> and and I, I, it sounds so, so when I say it like that, it, it sounds like I'm like, oh, whatever. But no, I mean, I mean, I'm following it for a reason. You know, I don't just follow everyone, anyone. 
So that's going to be good. I, I can't wait for that. And um, we should probably start rewatching the other. I, I think I started watching it. And then that first morph, that first two episodes, ugh, morph. But yeah, I, I should get back and, and start watching those again. Because I like when Disney Plus first came out, I'm like, yeah, Spider-Man, 90s Spider-Man. I was like watching that and, and X-Men. But there's just so much to watch. Uh, just way too much. <laughs> um, what else do we have? Um, there was also like a... which Where did this air? Because it wasn't in that clip. But there was kind of like an Obi-Wan sizzle reel whatever and i guess apparently this was leaked out before or something i didn't watch it i said i don't want to watch leaked stuff it just i don't i don't agree with with watching that i don't want to give someone else support or a view if they're leaking something and they're trying to benefit and i got more to say about that which i'll talk about and maybe i'll be in the next bit uh, so with Obi Wan, they don't really show us so much. It's just like you and McGregor and, and Deborah Deborah Chow uh, talking about bringing Obi Wan back and how you know people want this and everything. What's kind of interesting, while we don't really get a whole lot of information, but they they kind of strongly hint that it's not just going to be Obi Wan sitting on Tatooine, kind of like watching over Luke, you know, and and being in the desert. So it kind of sounds like there might be other things. And plus the fact that Hayden Christensen is back. And I, I kind of like really touched my heart when Ewan McGregor sees like, he's like one of the best things is like, I I'm reunited with Hayden Christensen. Like he's like looking forward to being able to work with them. So I thought that was really what, you know, I, I, I'm hoping and assuming he really means that, but it was, it was a nice, you know, to hear that, that he's like excited to work with, with Hayden Christensen again. Hayden Christensen is a great actor. You know, I, I know I've said that before. Life is a house. Watch that movie. If you have it, I'll say that anytime Hayden Christensen comes up. Ewan McGregor also kind of hinted at a possible Obi-Wan Darth Vader sword fight again, or saber fight. Hmm. Because, you know, we're all under the assumption that they haven't seen each other. You know, it was like Mus- Mustafar or whatever the planet is called. And then they don't see each other until they're on the Death Star. But maybe that's not the case. You know, maybe they did have a run in, in between there. Hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. that that's going to be cool. Now, the other thing. Um, I actually didn't have this uh, on my little, little short list of, of news things to talk about. There was apparently a Spider-Man No Way Home leak. Thankfully, knock on wood, I haven't heard anything about it. And I don't want to hear anything about it. I'm, I was tempted when I heard there was leaks. I'm like, okay, from a quote-unquote journalistic standpoint, and I I don't think of myself as a journalist, you know, even though I'm in the media or press or whatever. But anyways... I always feel like, you know, from a news reporting thing, I should at least know what it is. I wouldn't necessarily spoil it. You know, I wouldn't want to talk about it unless it was like spoiled everywhere. But I, I almost feel like I should know what it is just to because I should be aware. But the other part of me, like the fan part of me, I'm just like, I don't want to know. And, you know, that's the kind of luxury of doing all this stuff on my own versus when, you know, I was at Comic Vine, GameSpot, you know, the, the whole corporate thing. You know, with with that, there's a lot of expectations. You know, in the early Comic Vine days, it was like, do what what you want, do what you felt you need to be done. And even when, uh, you know, I don't I don't know how much I've talked about if I've ever talked about this before, but when Comic Vine first went over to CBS when we were acquired, it was awesome. They're like, you know what what needs to be done, you you know do you do what what you need to do, 
And, you know, they're very supportive and, you know, I'd be like, can I go to this convention? Can I do this? Can I, you know, can I fly down and, you know, see the screening? And, and they're very supportive. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> in the beginning, as things moved on, then there was, it was more, it was more about, we need to get page views. We need to do this and this, you know, we, and so I almost felt like, or I almost feel like if I was working at like a real outlet, you know, is Entertainment Fish a real outlet? I would like to think so, but I don't really post on there as much as I should because I'm just so tired and, and whatever. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, so I feel like I'm, you know, I'm in charge now. I, I can know, do what I want. Same thing with this podcast. You know, there's no like ulterior motive. There's no corporate overlords saying, you know, you need to do this or whatever. So I don't want to know the spoilers and I don't, I don't feel like I have to, if you're coming to the show saying, man, I thought Tony was going to talk about Spider-Man spoilers. I wanted to hear it. Dang it. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's not going to happen. And, and the way I feel about this is if there are spoilers, you can't know when unknowingly post them. I mean, you know, if, if it's a spoiler, you know, if it's a leak, you know, if, if it's not an, an official trailer or a press release or something like that, I just, it just really bugs me when people want to post this. And, and a lot of it is like, they want to be the first one to post it. They want to, it's kind of like bragging rights. It's like, hey, look at me. I got the access. And it's not so much like a look at me thing. It's, it's more like a credibility thing. I was able to get access to this secret information that no one else knows about. So you need to start listening to me because I might say other important things as well. You know, it's just kind of like like that. But when it comes to these leaks and stuff like that, usually what happens is like someone will leak something, whether it's like a pap paparazzi image of a costume or something. Like when when we saw the first image of Supergirl from uh, Flashpoint, her costume, who who took that original picture? Who who originally posted it? I have absolutely no idea whatsoever who did it. Maybe you do. Maybe you might remember. But what happens is like someone will post it, even if they watermark it, other people will crop it out or whatever, unless you're going to watermark it all over, which is just super extremely annoying. And then it's like, what's the point of, of even trying to look at it? So when you try to establish yourself in posting this, like unless you're going to do like a series of exclusive leaks and whatever information, if you do it one time, no one's going to remember who did it. No one is going to you know, give you the credit for it. They're going to be like, hey, did you see this? You see this? It's going to be all over Twitter. It's going to be all over Reddit or Facebook or whatever. No one's going to actually remember who actually... Some people might be like, hey, uh, uh, whatever, Coca-Cola production... <laughs> I got a can of Coke here, which is like almost empty. Uh, Orange Pen Media. I got an Orange Pen here. Orange Pen Media. They posted this Spider-Man news. And yeah, so... I, I just don't think it's cool. I don't want to be spoiled. Some people want to be spoiled. <laughs> That's what I, I I say to you. I don't know why you want to do it. If I'm going if if I'm going to see Miles Morales in No Way Home, and I, that better not be a spoiler because I I have absolutely no idea. But if that was going to happen, unless they announce so and so is going to be playing, you know, whatever character, I want to see it on a big screen. I don't want to see it. like like just like with the Moon Knight thing. If that was his costume, I'm kind of I'm I'm disappointed. I'm bummed that I saw this crappy, unedited, you know, unproduced image where you know maybe it's gonna look better, be cleaned up. I don't want to see some crap, you know, 
whatever thing. Or if it's like news like Miles Morales or Craven the Hunter or um, Stilt Man, someone, you know, I, I don't want to hear about it unless it's a casting announcement. I want to see it. So whatever this leaked and supposedly leaked information was, yeah, I don't I don't want to know about it. And I, I don't. So so that's what I'm saying about, about leaks. There's also something about Daredevil. Are they retooling Daredevil? I keep seeing people talking about that. Haven't heard any or seen anything official. So I'm ignoring all that. And I, I, I don't even know if it's official or not. Uh, let's let's move on. Uh, see, here is I, I thought there was going to be a lot of news this week. Let's talk about Henry Cavill. So he, he mentioned he still wants to do like a, a sequel to Man of Steel. <laughs> No, just to do something different. Just, but um, he kind of brings up a good point. You know, he's he's talking about the ugh, the fact that Superman killed Zod, ugh. and you know, because he's like killing Zod, basically may put it in his mind that he can't kill. He shouldn't because he shouldn't kill. It's absolutely ridiculous. So the fact that he kills someone, he's like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't kill people. But the fact that, you know, he killed like the last surviving Kryptonian or something like that. So that like weighed heavy on him. And that's that's why he fell to his knees. I think Henry Cavill even said like the falling to his knees that that wasn't in the script. But he really wanted to show like the anguish and everything like that. So if so, bravo to him. Uh, but oh, I, I hate that. that I hate that so much that Superman kills Zod. I, Anyways, so he, he would like to do a sequel. And we, why, why Warner Brothers, why won't you do a, another Superman movie? I really sincerely, absolutely hope that they don't do like Man of Steel 2. Just do Superman, the quest for a better tomorrow or better sequels or so, you know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to ex- acknowledge, you know, make it an official sequel to Man of Steel. Just say, okay, we're going to do another Superman movie. Here's Henry Cavill and all that stuff. You know, maybe we'll have the same actors I mean, you know, maybe Amy Adams will be back or maybe we'll recast or, you know, who's available, who's not. Uh, but you know, the biggest thing is if they do it, then everyone's gonna be like, oh, restore the Snyder Cut. <laughs> you know, that the thing is, I don't want or the Snyder, what are they calling it? The Snyder Verse? Restore the Snyder Verse? I don't want there to be a Snyder Verse if the end of just Zack Snyder's Justice League, I don't want that to be the future of our DC cinematic universe. Because that that look while it looks cool and oh we got dark knights and Batman or whatever and he's got goggles, I don't it, it's just dark and dreary and that, I don't want that. <laughs> so I don't I don't even know what's going. So let's just con- con- continue. But then we got Flashpoint, so you know I, who knows? I don't know. But the other thing Henry Cavill said that he said it'd be fun to play like Captain Britain in a Marvel movie. So, here at Marvel Studios, make it so. Engage. Um, speaking of engage, Paramount is delaying Transformers Rise of the Beast. I realize I don't really know much about this. I must have heard about this at some point. Because they're saying it's taking place after Bumblebee, the movie Bumblebee, which was... I enjoyed that movie. It was fun. I've only watched it one time. But I should watch it again sometime. I don't know when I will. 
So, and I think the movie's supposed to take place in 1994, which is still kind of weird. Is like, how does this tie in with the other Transformers movie? Because we have Optimus Prime and 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 all that. Uh, but that is being moved from June 24th, 2022 to June 9th, 2023. So it's like a year is getting bumped back. And then I think the next Star Trek movie was supposed to be on June 9th. That is now moving to J- December 22nd, 2023. And apparently, I don't know if this is changing that, but I think that December 22nd, is the same day that Star Wars Rogue Squadron comes out, Patty Jenkins' movie. Star Trek or Patty Jenkins' Star Wars? Hmm. Sorry, I, I, I lean more towards Star Wars. I'm I'm more... What do we call Star Wars people? Because <laughs> there's a Trekkies, right? I don't know. But then I think Rogue Squadron... So Rogue Squadron, I think, was delayed. Is the December, is that the delayed date or was that the original? I don't even know. I, I can't keep up with with all this stuff. Um, Lost in Space season three. When is that coming out? Is that like really soon? I don't think I have that written down anywhere. But season three is coming. Lost in Space, and um, you know, I I enjoyed the first two seasons, but watching this trailer, I I think when I watch this, I'm like, I don't want to like plow through these so I can talk about it on the podcast. So I don't know if I'm gonna. T- I feel like I should because I think I talked about the first two on the podcast. On this, the on the back on this show, uh, I don't know, but we'll see. I, I feel like I should. I did actually, yeah. No, I did finally finish uh, Lock and Key, and I I did enjoy that, it's, but it's too late to t- talk about it. I'm not going to give it its own segment, so it's buried here in the news. So Lost in Space is coming up. Oh, there's also this coming week. I should have mentioned this earlier. <laughs> Marvel's Hit Monkey. Is starting on net on on Hulu on November seventeenth. So that's like just a, depending on when you're listening to this. I and the thing is, they're probably gonna drop all the friggin' episodes, aren't they? So I'll try to watch some and talk about that next week. Hit monkey, why, why, why hit monkey? Like why? And they're changing his origin too. Last bit of news, Munsters, not, it's not in Munsters, I wish, uh, Dan Trachtenberg's uh, Predator movie, Prey, that's why we pray, Prey, uh, it's, the, the, there was a, like an image and like kind of logo was seen, so uh, Predator, it's going to be on Hulu, that's cool, because I got Hulu, so I like that, um, it's supposed to take place in a Comanche nation like 300 years ago, well, that sounds interesting, you know, it's a, Predator movie 300 years ago, you know, to, to see how, how they deal with that. All right. Yeah, I don't. I actually don't know anything else about it, so that's going to be kind of cool. I can't believe I spent 30 minutes on the news. <laughs> so that's going to be the, I think that's it. That's going to be news for the week. All right, with comic books over at Image. One thing I, I, I realized what uh, I, I forgot to mention I think it's been like two weeks now. Night of the Ghoul. So uh, Scott Snyder and Fr- Francesco Francavilla. So that uh, came out on, on Comixology. That was really good. And uh, Francesco's art. I mean, I always like his art. I mean, it's such a great style and, and the colors and everything like that. But it, this was there's something really good about that. So that was really cool. Um, I meant to talk about it. But because 
it's the, when I I tend to use previews when I go through through the, the comics except for DC since it doesn't appear there. And I, I just totally dropped the ball and, and forgot to mention it. I don't know if I mentioned clear when I, I think I did, but then um, we have demons. I still haven't read that, which I, I have that loaded up and I, I should probably read that at some point, but I just wanted to, to mention those um, since I, I hadn't <laughs> anyways uh, at image. I got a little distracted there for a second. I was like, wait, what? Um, Ordinary Gods 5 came out, I just realized, and I haven't read that. I love Kyle Higgins. I think he's he's a super great guy. He's a super great writer. Something about this series, I'm not sure what it is. Uh, it just, something didn't click for me, and that kind of bums me out. I, I feel like, part of me, I, I, I feel like it's because I feel so overwhelmed sometimes when it comes to reading all these comics that it didn't give me a chance to really sit and try to try to digest it and try to, you know, see what was going on. I, I, that's the only thing I, I don't know. So I, I didn't read that, but issue five came out. So hopefully you're reading that. You should be reading that. Cause I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it's good, but it's something I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know what my problem is. And anyways, uh, <laughs> then speaking of not having time to read comics, cause I had the reason I, the other reason I didn't read it is I don't think I read four. I think I'm. I'm pretty sure. I think I read three, so I'm not getting behind already. And I hate when that happens because I just get so far behind. I did. I did check out um, Phenom X number one. I was just gonna kind of skim through this, but then I, I, I kind of, I read most of it and then was kind of skimming through the end. So this is by John Leguizamo and Aram Rappaport and Joe Misiak. With art by Chris Batista. Yeah, have I mentioned my John Leguizamo story? I mentioned it back in the day or whatever. At what like the early days of t- Comic Vine and Twitter? Whenever I first got my Twitter, John Leguizamo was following me on Twitter. I had no idea why, and I was like, "Well, this is cool." I was like, "You know, he yeah, he was in the Spawn movie. Maybe he's a comics fan, and maybe you know he stumbled across Comic Vine, and you know maybe whatever." But then I was always like, you know, maybe I should reach out to him and like, you know, do an interview with him. And, you know, we could talk about Spawn or is he into comics and anything. And but then I was always like, he's probably doesn't, you know, maybe he's he's doesn't realize he's following me. And maybe he thinks he has some other friend named Tony Guerrero and he's meant to follow him. So I was like, I kind of didn't want to draw attention to myself in case he was following the wrong person. Because, again, this was like the early days of Comic Vine before, you know, we really kind of established anything. I don't even know if we had the podcast at that point. Maybe we did. And and so, you know, he, he followed me for a while and he must have, I mean, unless he had things filtered out or wasn't really checking updates or, whatever, you know, he must have seen my tweets or whatever. And eventually it was at some point he unfollowed me. So I'm like, all right, dude, I'm going to unfollow you. It's like, screw you, buddy. Uh, so anyways, despite all that, I don't hold grudges, right? Despite all that, I, I was like, okay, John Leguizam, that's the only reason I read this comic, to be perfectly honest. Because uh, looking at wrongfully in prison and desperate to regain his freedom, Max Gomez agrees to become the subject in an underground government experiment. When the trial gives him phenomenal shape-shifting abilities, Gomez learns his new quote-unquote freedom requires surviving a superpowered war fought on the streets of NYC. Uh, it doesn't sound super exciting to me and the premise or I mean the the first issue it was okay I mean it was 
it was a, a little, I, I hate to say generic. Um, things could go, could get amped up, ramped up, damped up. Uh, it, it was all right. Um, am I going to read issue two? I, I really don't know. I, I am. I'm, I mean, part of me is curious where this is going to go. And, you know, I, I love the fact that, you know, if John Legg was, I, I mean, it's awesome that he is into comics. You know, it's always cool when you, you know, you hear other people in the comics, but then there are so many comic writers that are trying to, you know, get their comics off, you know, off the, the, the ground, whatever, you know, he just happens to be an actor and, you know, but I think it's, it's cool that he took the initiative and used his ability or whatever to get this off the ground and going I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll see a movie of it someday. Who, who knows? But the thing that I do think is cool that it's a, a Latinx character, you know, because we, we don't have a whole lot of those. And I think we need more of those. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not one to necessarily stand up on a soapbox or on a mountain and yell out that we need more equality and all that. I think it's good when we can get that, you know, if you can get a new character, you know, I, I'm not super crazy about changing the gender of characters to accommodate this need or that need or whatever. I'm all for create a new character and make them cool and, and, you know, get the representation that way. If you're looking, you know, if you are in a Latinx community and you want to support something, you know, check this out. Because it's something that you might be interested in. Uh, Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, Issue 2. So this is Rick Remender and um, Andre Arach. I, you know, I, I don't think I've ever... Have I ever... I must have said his name before. Ara Arajo? Ara Arajo? And here, Latinx, me, and I, I can't even say his last name. This is... I, I'm digging this comic. This is one I feel so bad when the first issue came out. I somehow... Forgot to mention. I read it that week and everything. I, I promise I read it when it came out. And then something happened and I just, I skipped over it. Uh, and anyways, so you should, uh, you should, you should read this. It's, it's kind of hard to describe. I mean, you kind of really need to read the first couple issues, but just trust me. It's, it's, it's cool. Rick Remender, you know, he's one of those writers where it's like, you know, he, he's going to write something. I'm going to read it. It's like, I don't care what, I don't even need, like when I read the first issue, I had absolutely no idea what it was about. In those cases, I like to read the comics and then read the solicit after to see how they describe it. How are they trying to sell this book? So I just say, Rick Remender, buy it. You'll thank me for that. Uh, the final issue, at least for of this first series, uh, Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, issue six came out. I've adored this series. This has been so much fun. Uh, it basically, Trigger Keaton was a jerky TV action star. He was just cruel and mean and horrible and disgusting on set with his co-stars. He had a lot of like you know kid sidekicks or whatever his sidekicks characters were. And anyway, something happens. He's dead. Did he get killed? His sidekicks end up kind of investigating it, even though they all hated him for good reason. And it's it's just wacky adventures and it's trust me you should get this uh, the the trade will probably be coming out very very soon you should check that out and there's a hint at, I don't know if it's official official but there's a hint at like a sequel like a, another I, I hope so because this that is, it's just been so much fun I've I've really enjoyed this Stillwater 
uh, issue 11 came out. And there's a bit, of, a little bit of a time jump, not like a huge. I think it was just like a year or something, or, or something, <laughs> or something, or something. Uh, so Stillwater is, is a town where no one ages. No, and if you, you get healed, like you get injured, you're gonna heal right away. Uh, this guy got a message, like, wait, is this from his mom? What's going on? So he goes there, and then he's now he's kind of like stuck there or whatever. And recently, there is this big power struggle to change the control of the town and the way things are done and uh so there's it's it's a oh not really political not 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 at all i don't want to say that but there's you know a lot of the structure of the town and just maintaining the secret and uh one thing that's interesting is you know they they get a guy that comes in and delivers supplies you know because they don't want people leaving the town you know you leave the town you start you know it's not like like boom you're gonna you know turn into 120 or but you know you once you leave you don't have the healing whatever frozen in time thing they have this guy that delivers stuff and you know they pay him off well not to ask any questions or anything but then like he is starting to ask questions and uh so it's like what are you gonna do about that so it makes things interesting uh trover saves the universe issue four came out i didn't read that that was another one it's like i read the first issue i don't know anything about the the franchise thing um it could be a fun comic but i i didn't read this the second um undiscovered country issue 17 i'm so far behind on that some someday i'll get caught up and then clap (laughs) more claps What's the furthest place from here? Issue one. I actually read this last weekend. Uh, so I, I read this early. Oh my gosh. I, I really love this. This was like a super long. I think it's like over 60 pages. It's like triple size. And I'm reading this. Uh, I actually read this like before I recorded last week's podcast. And uh, I was actually eating breakfast. So I was like, okay, I'm going to read something. I'm going to read. I read everything for that week. So I was like, I'm going to read something. Even though I'm just, I could try to catch up on something. I was like, I'm going to read something new. I was like, oh, I, I can read this. You know, I got th- this comic. Man, as I'm reading it, then I was like, okay, I should probably stop reading and start the podcast. But I just, I just one kept going and then i was like is this a one-shot comic because like this is so long and it keeps going this is great i'm like oh my gosh and then it gets to the end i'm like oh man <laughs> and then i read the solicit and it's like triple's eyes first issue uh so this is so good it's um how do you describe i i was i, I almost like uh kind of wuss out when it comes to um describing it. okay the way i would describe it before i look at the solicit because i don't remember what the solicit says is it's like a, a post-apocalyptic future. Something happened, and we we see like just a group of kids, like teens, in like a record store, and then we see that there's like kind of different groups. They have their territory, and uh, where's all the adults? Like once you turn into adult, you have to leave, type of thing. So what does that mean? What's going on? But one girl's like pregnant, and it's like they don't really know what that means. I don't think they realize that she's pregnant anyways so what it says the world has ended all that remains are gangs of children living among the ruins but sid believes there must be something more out there when when she disappears into the wastelands what her gang will risk everything to bring her home a story about the things that matter most wait a story about the things that matter most your survival your loved ones and your record collection 
yeah, so there's there's a lot about music in here. So uh, this was just really, really good. Um, Tyler Boss does art, and it's just, it's, trust me, you, you're going to want to want to read this. I just, this was, was really, really cool. That was all the stuff at Image. And then I, man, I haven't read anything at IDW in a while. Um, G.I. Joe 287. I, I need to start reading G.I. Joe again. And I, I know I should just jump in and just start doing it. But it's like, I want to read that one big story arc that just came out. But someday. And then at Boom... I hope there was nothing at Boom. Let's see. There's nothing I normally read. Uh, Marty Morphin. I don't read that. Magic the Gathering. I wonder how those those comics are. I mean, I was never into Magic, you know, playing the games or whatever. But, you know, I wonder how those comics are, if people like that. And um, I'm hoping it's like, when's Devil Chicken coming out? Chicken Devil? Devil Chicken? That's not out this week. At DC, what do we have? We had a, a, a few things. So we had Action Comic 1036. Um, I did read the Superman Authority comic um, that came out, I think it was last week, where Superman gets a team to go with him to War World. So it's like the Authority, basically. You know, it's Midnighter and Apollo and um, I forget who else. Um uh, uh, and Enchantress is, is with them and some other people. But th- before they go, Batman has a, a mission and he goes to Superman because it's something that like the Justice League can't do. And it has to do with like a, a dark multiverse Earth that could potentially uh, come and invade. And it has like a like not the house of, of Al Ghul, but there's basically Al Ghuls have like kind of taken over everything and Anyway, so Batman gets some information about the, the the place. I won't say how or whatever. And so they want a mission to you know to kind of go over there. So you know we, we do see that. So that that was a, a good issue uh, with Action Comics. Basically, it's them heading to War World to try to liberate the place, and it's 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 a tricky situation because you know Superman doesn't normally do this. You know he's not this like. I don't necessarily want to say proactive, but you know he's all about saving people, not about stepping into another place and liberating people. You know, because he has a po- he could do that, but he doesn't because you know he's trying to stay in his territory or whatever. Uh, so this it's not off to a good start. You know, the Mongol and um, there's a, you know John Kent. He's uh, worried that Superman is gonna die because that's what the history kind of says that you know he this is around his time, and I think there are some rumblings that DC is gonna kill Superman again. It's like if you do that, DC, don't do that. Don't. It's bad enough that you're taking Superman off Earth. It's like okay, yeah, John Kent is an awesome character. Give him time to shine and everything, but. <sighs> Just give me Clark Kent secret identity Superman back. That's what I want. So um, yeah, Action Comics was was. Ugh. I mean, I, I mean, and by ugh, it's it's not good for Superman. Uh, Wonder Woman seven eighty one. I re- I didn't read this. I I am gonna read this uh, now because I didn't realize she was back. Oh, it actually happened last issue. It's, how did I miss last issue? October twelfth. It even says on a cover, Wonder Woman returns. After the events of Death Metal, Diana finally makes it back from her unforgettable odyssey through the spirit of gods. 
has the world moved on without her special oversized oh, oversized issue. Okay, I should probably read that. But yeah, I'm not going to read those now. Hopefully, it, it's good because you know I I really like Wonder Woman and something about lately it's been hard for me to to get into Wonder Woman and and that that God stuff just it didn't work for me. There's Batman Urban Legends issue nine. I didn't really like this so much, and um, part of it is just just the story arcs. Uh, okay, I'm looking at at the solicit. It's starting off with the so so Batwoman. I thought was the first. Wasn't that the first story? Like they didn't wrap up the the Batwoman and Alice story because this mentions Tim Drake and the Outsiders. I was kind of skimming through this, um, and I don't I don't really care about Signal. I, I I think one I think that's a weird name. It's just weird how Duke Thomas. I mean Duke Thomas was a cool character. Then like all of a sudden he gets these like meta human powers. And I'm still not really sure how. You know, I, I know it was it was in you know there's a whole thing about that, but it just seemed to work. Okay, Bat we yeah, have Batwoman Fear State tie-in. So going against Anti Oracle, that was that was all right. I mean, it was it was okay. I mean, it was better than all right. I, I would say. And in the Azrael story, I haven't been really reading that. And then there's a, a Tweedledee and Tweedledum story. It was that was kind of was kind of sad. Uh, but yeah and then joker issue nine so uh things are getting messy for commissioner gordon or he's not even commissioner anymore but you know he's trying to go after joker what's he gonna do and um uh other people are you know they it's it's just it this is another messy situation where um it doesn't look good for Joker either, but Joker's got like billion lives where he always manages to survive. So I'm I'm enjoying this series. It's it's a it's way better than I thought. You know, when I first heard there's gonna be a Joker series, first I was like, why? And then you know when I heard that it was James Tyne in the fourth, I was like, okay, you know that that's there's that. You know, I know it's gonna be good then if he he's writing it. And then there's more on uh, Harper Row and Punchline, so there's some interesting things there. So that's I'm I'm digging that that series. Then we have um, Future State issue seven, where it this kind of concludes what's been going on with Jason Todd, and you know as Peacekeeper Red, and with the other uh, other Bat family members because you know they they thought that he's basically betraying them all and everything like that. So this is this is just an interesting story. I I I'm intrigued by the fact that it's like a manga that you know it's black and white and um you know because the the future state books weren't like that. So it's I I feel like I totally missed why they decided to go this route. I'm glad they did. You know it mixes things up and you know makes it kind of stand out on its own. So I think that's cool. But yeah, I'm not really sure why they did that. Then there is Justice League Last Ride issue seven. I think is this a I can't remember if this was a final issue or not. But more on um is this with the Lobo right? And I, I with this and the what's it, Justice League not Justice League Beyond, just the one that's like taking place after the the animated series. So anyways basically we get some closure on certain things uh, arguments that some characters had had and s- s- wait this is done with Lobo. is this the one with lobo 
where they're they're trying to protect Lobo so he can go on trial. Fighting Darks. I can't remember now. But it's Chip Zdarsky. <laughs> so, oh, goodness. Um, Pennyworth issue four. I still haven't, I think issue two, I didn't read. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm curious about this, but I don't know how the last few issues have been. Um, there's I Am Batman issue three. I this it just feels weird. I'm waiting. When is Batman gonna step in? And uh, yeah, it just seems weird. Titans United is a, another weird one because this is like out of continuity. It's it's a cool cast, cool you know group of characters. It just it kind of it's distracting to me because I'm like this isn't in continuity, but it doesn't have to be. And I don't know why I can't let that go, but. I mean, it could be in continuity if it was like in the past, but the, the fact that it doesn't say this took place, you know, before, it's just, you know, here you go. And so there, there, there's some, some fun things in there. Batman, the imposter issue too. This one is out of continuity. It's, it's interesting to see Batman and, you know, someone is impersonating him, which is why it's called the imposter. And they're being really hardcore and kind of tarnishing his name. So, you know, the city is obviously against him. And he's working with Leslie Tompkins. And, you know, she's... she Like, one of her conditions when she realized that Bruce Wayne is, is Batman... This is like... You know, this is the relationship that we have in a regular comics. Regular continuity. And she's like... Right, you need to come talk to me every day after, you know, you're done. You know, for the night. And, you know, we need to talk about how, what happened, what, you know, how things went down. Otherwise I'm, I'm going to go to the police and I'm going to tell them, you know, everything. So it's, it's kind of interesting in, in that way where it's a, it's a different relationship and, you know, and he's, it's, it's good for him because, you know, he needs to confide and stuff. And, you know, when he, he gets wounded, you know, she's helps him a little bit because, you know, he doesn't have Alfred here. And uh, it's, so it's just, it's a different and continuity and it's embracing it. And with Andrea Sorrentino's art, I mean, it's it's just it, that just really makes it phenomenal. So you should be checking that out. Uh, speaking of phenomenal art, uh, Robin and Batman issue one. So this is Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn, and uh, this was this was great. You know, so this is Dick Grayson, Robin. This is like before he was Robin, and it's it's kind of cool where there's a it, it's a kind of tough relationship between them between the two of them and there's almost like little hints of like all-star batman robin but not as like skeezy as that so this is just really good and dustin's like the colors here because you know he's doing like the watercolor stuff <laughs> watercolor stuff and it just looks really good it's, it's almost like it looks different like you know compared to ascender how that was it's it's almost like the colors are deeper, like darker, but not like muddy dark. Cause like when you see like, there's just like the, the red and the green from a certain character. Like if you look on a cover, it just, it's, it's pretty vibrant, even though it's like kind of, I'm not an art critic, so I don't, don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not a color expert, but there's just something about it. that It just feels different. I just really enjoyed it. And I, I think it's a really cool story, you know, seeing, dick training and it's a whole thing is where you know batman he's not going to take things lightly you know he's like you have to follow the rules and you're not ready and and you know he wants to you know prohibit him and you know stuff like that so it was just really really cool um to read this i'm really excited for for the next issue 
Um, there was also Superman versus Lobo issue two. I think I'm trying to remember if I read. The, I don't see. I don't even remember if I read the first issue, but I didn't read this one because I'm just I'm so tired of Lobo, and it's it's like do we get too much Lobo? I I, I don't want this much Lobo. I don't need this much Lobo in in my life. No one needs this much Lobo in their lives. So um, at Marvel. There's Amazing Spider-Man 78. Uh, I was looking at the cover. I was like, is that Craven the Hunter? He's like, no, that's Morbius. So it was, it was uh, Ben Riley Spider-Man uh, against Morbius. And this is kind of weird. Part of my problem, did I mention I don't really like Morbius? I can't believe they're making a Morbius movie. Um, anyways, it was more. I think the, the thing with Morbius versus Spider-Man, it's always the same thing. You know, he wants his blood. He wants his blood. And, you know, he's trying to get a cure and, and all this stuff. My my problem with this, and I know we're only a couple issues in, and I know I should be super excited because it's Ben Riley, but my problem, and I feel like I'm nitpicking, I feel like Ben is acting too inexperienced. Uh, I feel feel like he's doing things that he shouldn't be doing, or a lot things are happening that he shouldn't be allowing to happen. He gets bit by Morbius. It's like that shouldn't happen. You know, it's with the spider sense and every, even with that, you know, you just, yeah, you, you know, it's like, hey, this is a, a vampire something hybrid dude. Watch out for his teeth. And, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't care if he has fast speed or he, you know, not, he's not like the Flash or anything. But I, don't know, I just feel, and the whole Beyond Corporation, how they're basically, they're kind of like keeping him a prisoner in a way. It's just, it's it's leaving like a bad taste in my mouth, and you know I feel bad. I I I just I feel like Ben is better than this, and it just feels like he took a step backwards. I, I just it's weird, and I I know that's part of it, and it is kind of good that there is this like inexperienced stuff that he is making mistakes, and because otherwise, what it would just be like it's the same Spider Man, but just there's he has blonde hair now. And, you know, maybe as a different costume, you can't even tell because he's got, you know, the costume on. So, uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like Ben should be more experienced in this. And he's just making a lot of, like, rookie mistakes. And, you know, this is something, if it's, it, if this these stories would have been told, like, right after the Clone Saga, then, okay, okay yeah, I kind of get that. But even though he's been dead since that, see, even that, that wouldn't make sense. Oh, um, but I'm, I'm glad he's back. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, I did read Deadpool, black, white, and red. Um, main reason is because Chris Yost wrote a story. And then there's also, um, Mike Allred and Laura Allred, even though it's, a uh, just black and white, but there's red in it. So it, it was fine. It was okay. <laughs> um, and what else do we have? Eternals issue seven. I tried reading this, you know, I, I want to get into more, you know, get into Eternals more, you know, especially after the movie, but I just, I, I I'm kind of having a hard time w with the Eternals and you know, the, the first arc, it was, I think the weird, the biggest, um, not necessarily weird, but kind of like the cool, interesting monkey wrench you could throw at the Eternals was the fact that, you know, so when they died they they can be reborn, they can be brought back or whatever, but there is a, a pretty big, kind of kink that that happened with that something that they need to like holy crap um you need to think you know think about this now and then we hit the fact that we have thanos now 
I, I feel like we don't need Thanos here. That that's almost like, you know, Thanos is a, you know, big name villain. So let's throw him into the book. And, you know, if that works, if it gets more people reading it. Great. But I like Thanos, but I, I think I'm just a little, little over Thanos. Uh, just, yeah. Excalibur issue 25. So I love this because Marcus Toe and I love just a whole Betsy Braddock and Brian Braddock, you know, the Captain Britain and Saturnine and, you know, there's a lot of callbacks to those classic stories. And, you know, I wasn't like a huge fan of those, you know, I'm not going to pretend to be anything, but, you know, I did read a bunch of those, you know, there's that one trade that I, I, I did find it. Where did I put it? Uh, which I, I need to read that, uh, you know, the Chris Claremont, Alan Davis, you know, that that's like great stuff. And then when the original Excalibur, I love that series. So there's, there's a lot of cool things here. Um, you know, there's a little bit too much Avalon and now we got like Arthur and Merlin, but it, it kind of fits in a way, you know, that that's like really the roots of, you know, Captain Britain and everything and, you know, where he came from. And so there, there's some cool things in there. And I, I know some people probably aren't reading this, but you're crazy, and uh, but I just, I love the fact that Marcus Toes is is doing the art here, and it's cool that it's, we're at issue twenty five already. That that's awesome. Hellions issue seventeen. This was like whew, um, some heavy duty stuff happened. A lot of stuff between uh, Nanny and Orphan Maker, or, or not stuff involving them. There's a lot of aftermath with the team, which just a, how things just went so sour and everything like that. But then it's like, okay, they're going to get back together. You know, they, they kind of were going to go their separate ways, but it's like, all right, we, we need to go bring back one of our own type of thing. And uh, yeah, things get get pretty dreary here. So <laughs> Then there's Miles Morales, Spider-Man, issue 32. I don't even know what's going on here. So the, we, we have Miles Morales in his new costume. I'm, I'm not a fan of the new costume. I think it's weird. You know, it's it's pink. And there's nothing wrong with pink, but it's just like such a departure. I don't understand the the pull up thing on his mask. You know, he has. I think he has a full mask. I think it's a full mask underneath. But it's like pulling it up. It doesn't seem like it would stay up. That you'd have to constantly be pulling it up. And then like if you would look up or whatever, move around. I don't know. And uh, so whatever. He's got this new costume. Great. Fine. I I don't feel like he needed one. You know, and it's just, it's weird how it's so baggy. It doesn't seem like that's a good idea, especially when he's getting shot at all the time. So it's like, you'd want something sleek. If it's baggy, it's just, it seems like it's more likely that it could get caught on something or someone could grab it, whatever. So you have all that. Then, he, you know, he's got a girlfriend. Awesome. Congrats, Smiles. And, you know, it's uh, the Vulture's granddaughter. Uh, what's her name? Starling. I don't even know, that, know if that's her name. But like last issue, they're like making out. They're sitting on top of a rooftop kissing. And, you know, like Miles, I think his mask was completely off or whatever. It's like, you can't do that in New York City. You know, this this salsa was made in New York City. And it's, it's, it's you know, people could be looking and whatever. He has spider sense. It's like, no, you, you're just going to be too late. It's I don't think your spider sense is going to pick up like, two blocks away someone happens to look outside bird watching with binoculars or whatever and they're like oh there's miles morales and hey what's he doing in a cost spider-man wait is that a spider oh that was another thing <laughs> there's one point so what's going on here <laughs> gripes aside 
someone hired Taskmaster to apprehend Starling or whatever. I don't even know if that's her name. I think that's her name. And so Miles is trying to go after her and I feel like Taskmaster's not written to optimal level here. You know, he he should be he should be a little more. Uh, but you know he he does do he thankfully they don't like mop the floor with him because that would just be dumb if that happened. But at you know Miles gets separated. He's and then he's in the streets and there's a couple of paramedics. They're like, hey Spider Man, let us help you. You know you're we're fans. And first of all, why is there like paramedics just sitting on the streets in New York City? Shouldn't you be like driving someone somewhere? Or say, I mean, do they do that? I mean, it would kind of make sense to have a paramedic, you know, to have an ambulance sitting somewhere rather than just sitting at the hospital waiting to go out. It's like, okay, you go across town and just sit here and wait. And if there's a call and if it's close to you, you know, you might be closer than if you're at the hospital. I mean, I don't know how that works. But they're just sitting there like, let us. And then the other factor, like, hey, Spider Man, there is no way they would know that was Spider Man. They're like, pink wearing. Spider's baggy hoodie suit with leggings underneath. You need help? <sighs> Spider-Man. What's going on, Miles Morales? <laughs> uh, Savage Avengers. Kulan Goth. <laughs> I'm so... I love the fact that we're at issue 26. I love that this is still... Somehow it's still going on. Conan with the Avengers. The Savage Avengers. But it's friggin' Kulan Goth. Uh, I can't stand this guy. I don't know who who do I hate the most. <laughs> so many it feels like oh this character. But there's some crazy things that happen. I mean it's it's a it's a pretty intense fight. We got Kang the Conqueror. We got Doom. Got Doctor Strange. Conan. People dying. People getting their jaws ripped off. It's like, holy crap. <laughs> then uh, we have uh, Star Wars: A High Republic issue eleven. So I'm I'm enjoying this series as much as i can you know the, the, and by that i mean because we have you know new characters that i don't know and I, I don't like love them because i don't really know them so i don't have like this bond or connection you know like oh no luke you must survive <laughs> so but but there's some cool things here and um yeah so i i'm, I'm liking it more um, what's going on? I, I can't explain because there, there's, it'd be too, to try to explain what's been happening the last like five issues or two issues. So, but it, it's, it's cool to read strange Academy issue 13. There's no mention of the death of Dr. Strange here. So does this take place before? Does this play, take place after? Cause last week we had that tie in where like, all right, we're closing the school cause we can't protect you. So is this before? Uh, but there is some cool... What's this character's name? They call her Voodoo Girl. Um, I don't remember if that's her name. Zoe Le- Levu. Uh, I, so I, I liked hear, seeing her story. And uh, uh, Scotty Young and Humberto Ramos. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fun book. So there's some cool things there. Um, the Thing Issue 1. I don't know what, where this book... I don't feel like this book is in continuity. No, this book is not in continuity. Yeah. So let's let's just make that clear. At first I was like, I don't know if it is, but the thing and Alicia aren't married. So obviously they're not. So it's kind of cool. Um, You know, so it's, it's Walter Mosley and Tom Riley and you know, it's like the art is cool and everything like that. And it's, it was interesting to see just a thing story because 
even though the thing was in Marvel two and one, and then you know he had his own series, I feel like he doesn't get that much time in the spotlight or enough recognition. So there's some some cool things here. So I I like this, but I don't really know why they're doing this book just because people like the thing and he, they feel like he should if so okay because i almost wasn't going to read this i was like is this just some random you know comic for the thing that's out of continuity that's not gonna affect anything but i was like well whatever i'll i'll, I'll check it out and i'm glad i did then there is venom issue one so it's an epic new era for the sinister symbiote it's, it starts here and uh, this is kind of weird. I don't really like the fact that uh, Eddie Brock is the new Null, that he's like out in space controlling all the symbiotes and trying to... It's That just seems weird. And then Dylan is on Earth and you know, he barely sees his dad and you know he's going to school, he's getting fights at school and um, things are, are going to get dark real, real soon because as Eddie is kind of like on a right you know he's controlling a bunch of symbiotes doing this rescue mission things get dark like real fast there's like this evil something that takes control of one and you know kills some people and stuff like that and basically tells eddie he's like yeah everyone you care about is gonna die and you know it might he's like you better say your goodbyes because you're not gonna see it coming you know you're gonna die and everyone else is gonna die and so it's just like ugh, and yeah, and then Dylan makes it just does some things, and so I don't know where this series is gonna go. It's uh, it's it's weird. It's I don't, I, and I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I haven't made that decision yet. So it it's gonna be interesting to see, and it is good to give us something a little different rather than just like you know same old same old. But yeah, it's just it was just I don't know. So we'll have to see what what happens, and that. I guess that that's it. There is no like X-Men books. You know, we had Excalibur and, and Hellions, but nothing with an X in it in the title. So that's going to be comics for the week. All right. Then starting uh, last week, uh, we had Dexter New Blood. So Dexter is back. I don't know how long. Has it been 10 years? It, it's been a while. And I, I kind of wish I would have had the time or initiative to like rewatch the series because I I've been kind of wanting to watch it again. I remember it was just it was so good at the beginning. It went a little south towards uh, the last season, maybe at least the last season. And I remember the last episode, I was like, what the heck is going on? When So basically, you know, from what we remember is, you know, Dexter was like a, a serial killer. You know, he has this urge, this desire, you know, where he has to kill and everything like that. And he tries to, narr- to, to, to keep it focused to just those who deserve to be killed. You know, so he's killing the bad guys. And, you know, he works at the police, the police department. He, you know, analyzes blood and everything like that. It was interesting, you know, seeing him prepare, you know, do his hunt and just the way he would do the, the whole kill and then, you know, disposing of the body and everything like that. Uh, and then eventually, so his sister, Deborah was a detective and then it's like she finds out about it. And then it's almost like then she's like, OK, yeah. And it was just like it was a weird twist where she just really was like, OK, with it. And, you know, maybe because, you know, she grew up with him and, you know, she knew what he was going through. And I don't know, like, I don't even remember, like, how much she knew, you know, like, what their her father, Harry, and, you know, his adoptive father or whatever, 
were, were you know doing for him. But it, it was just it was just weird how she was just seemed okay with it. And I'm trying to remember how the last episode ended. I remember it was just didn't go too well. So, anyways, uh, this first episode back, it's it's interesting to see because you know you see it in the trailer where Dexter's like out somewhere living in the snow, like in the woods, and and then there's a whole small town that knows who he is and everything. It's just like, what's going on? And, you know, so anyways, let's just jump into the episode. So 101, Cold Snap. It starts off with him running through the woods, like in the snow. He's chased, like he's chasing after someone with a gun. So it's like, all right, here he goes. You know, he's about to kill someone, but he's really going after a deer. So then he sees this like white stag and, and then, um, was it a white stag? I think it was a white stag at this point because he keeps seeing the same one. And, he puts a gun down like he can't shoot and then you know then he goes back to his his cabin or whatever feeds some goats he goes inside and deborah's there so it's like what it's like they're okay so i as like you just, i couldn't remember was she still alive or not you know it's like she's she's there with him it's like that's kind of weird and then he's like he mentions this guy cold outside and she's like well you picked this place so he sits down to eat and then we discover She's not really there. So um, that, I was like, wait, what's, why? That was weird. So then he sharpens this butcher knife. So he, he looks like he still has this like knife kit. So I was like, okay, is he going out to kill someone? What's going on? And then we see him driving a pickup truck. So he's in Iron Lake, New York. So like upstate New York or whatever. Then he gets pulled over by a cop. So it's like, uh-oh. His license plate says his name is James Lindy. And he, he goes by Jim. And on the passenger seat, like the knife kits there. So like this, uh, this uh, state, whatever sheriff or whatever her, I forget what, what type of cop. She sees uh, the knife, like because he kind of reaches over and like kind of close folds it over, and so she saw one of them. So it's like, uh, crap, this isn't going to be good for him. So she asks him to, to step out, and then she starts frisking him, and then they start kissing, and then they're like having sex in her car. And her radio goes so so basically they're dating. You know her name's Angela. Someone like is like trying to call her from the, the dispatch or whatever because like a, a goat got loose and you know they need her to go after it and stuff like that. So so they go off. So he then we see uh, Dexter in a small town and this like pastor like says hey you going to the you know you can do some line dancing tonight and he's like I wouldn't miss it and everyone's like saying hi to him and you know he he seems to be getting along with everyone and it's, it's just like weird you know they call him jim then he sees this guy butchering a, a pig like this really big pig and he sees the blood and you know he's got his knives in his hands so it's like does he want to whack this guy in the back you know he takes it out but then he gives him his knife so then he goes to this shop uh he's like outside he sees like this knife in the window as like there's like big like pocket knife or whatever so he goes inside it's like oh, all right he's gonna go buy a knife and kill someone right he goes in there but then he turns a blade around because it was like in the display it was like upside down so it turns out he works there it's fred's fishing game and uh, um then his boss fred jr it says you know he's adopting with his partner or whatever sort of actually adopting a dog or something like that then a couple guys come in and dexter like just kind of closes his eyes he's like here we go there are a couple like dude bros, and they're gonna go hunting. the 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 guy wants to look at this knife and everything, and so he's looking at it. And then at one point, he's like, Ugh, like he's about to stab Dexter, or whatever. And and he's just like, uh, he's like, hey, easy. And he's then the guy's like, oh, I'm just playing with him. He's like, and he's like, I got a thing for blood. 
And the guy's like, all right. He's, so he wants to get a rifle. Dexter, you know, there's a bunch of, you know, guns behind at the counter. Dexter recommends this one. It does all the stuff and everything like that. Then the guy's like, yeah, my buddy has that one. He's like, I want one more, you know, more powerful one. And then he points at this one. There's like a friggin' like assault rifle, like in, in this display thing. He's like, I, I want, I want that. And Dexter's like, it's going to cost you like nine grand. And the guy's like, I don't care. He's like, that, that's fine. And then he's like, he mentions uh, his pictures on the wall, you know, as Dexter's doing some stuff, you know, on, on the computer or whatever. And he's, there's like this little league, league picture of him. So I guess, you know, he's part, lives in a town. He goes back or whatever. Dexter's doing an FBI check. And he's like, there's a 24 hour hold on, on him. And the guy's not really happy. He's like, yeah, that's, that's, you know, whatever. That's a technicality. He's like, you know, we, my family, you know, we, we come here all the time and stuff like that. But Dexter is like, he won't budge on it. So then he's like, all right. He's like, he just buys a knife because, you know, Dexter doesn't want to break the rules. Then Dexter goes over to the police station to see Angela. And somehow the dispatcher already heard about this guy. So the guy's name was Matt. That he had, you know, they, they did a background check or whatever. And she's like, it was a small town or whatever. Receptionist mentions that there was a boating accident that he was involved with where, you know, five people died, but he wasn't driving. And this other cop says, well, you know, his his record's probably clean. He looks it up. He's like, oh, maybe it's a little spotty or something like that. So anyways, uh, then later, uh, Jim, Dexter, and Angela go out to the tavern. The line dancing is already started. He goes up to the, the bar. The bartender knows what his drink, you know, what drinks he and Angela want, and that he wants veggie nachos. And then he's like, "Oh, you know, put it on my bill or, or put it on my tab." And and she's like, "Well, you know, Matt's buying everyone a drink." And he sees uh, him over there. They they see. They're like, "Jim, Jim, Jim, Jim." And he starts like chanting and everything like that because he recognized him from the store. And Dexter's like, "You know, just put it on my tab, anyways." Then they they start doing some line dancing, which is just like kind of weird and everything like that. And then Segway, we see this hitchhiker get off this big semi. Like, you know, I think the driver's like, oh, you had a delay. You know, he's like, you can go over this way or whatever. Matt comes up to Dexter, to Jim, and he's like, oh, you know, I'm having a party at my dad's tomorrow night. And he's like, uh, you know, he wants to go to the shop right now and, and get the gun because they're supposed to go hunting in the morning. Dexter's like, well, you can just stop by in the morning and you can get it. Then the, Matt's like, well, you know, you, you can go, you should come to the party anyways, because, you know, he's not happy, because he's really trying to push to get this assault rifle. Then he looks at Angela's like, he's like, oh, your girlfriend's a cop? He's like, maybe you should come stag. There's going to be a lot of red flags there. It's like, okay, whatever, dude. So then uh, the hitchhiker, because this girl's at the bar. So the hitchhiker was a girl? And she asked the bartender, she's like, you know, how much for a plain burger or whatever? And the, the bartender says, and she's like, what if there's no fries? And she's like, that didn't include fries or whatever. So she obviously doesn't have like a lot of money to spare. So then uh, Angela's like, oh, just, you know, put it on my stab and then on my tab. <laughs> and then she gives a girl like some more money. She's like, just in case and, you know, whatever like that. And she's like, you know, thing. And she says that, you know, this, if she needs a place to stay, there's like kind of like this shelter place, you know, that she could go to like down the street or something like that. Then her like doorbell app goes off and she sees it. There's a bunch of kids at her house, so like I guess her she has a kid, and she, or her kid has too many people over, so she's got to go deal with that or something like that. But then it turns out that girl wasn't a hitchhiker, so we see like the real hitchhikers outside, kind of like watching Dexter as he gets into his truck. But you know we don't see 
we you know the the hitchhiker's like wearing a hoodie or something like that so you know we we don't see anything so it's like who is this person next day dexter's running through the woods again with his rifle sees a white stag again and he just like he whispers like beautiful whatever puts it you know looks in his scope puts it in sight but then a branch cracks like and scares it off someone like ducks behind a tree behind him so then he goes over like runs over but the person's gone and he sees like footprints in the snow so someone's like following him then uh, he goes at the cabin. He tells Deborah. So he's talking to Deborah now. And it kind of makes sense because in the original series, you know, he was talking to Harry. You know, Harry wasn't really there, but it's like that was like his his soundboard, his consciousness or whatever. And so I'm assuming the actor playing Harry's probably no longer with us. I, I could be wrong. I can't remember. So now he's replaced Harry. And I don't know if, if, if he laid... Harry to rest in his mind in the original series because it's been so long, but now basically he's talking to Deborah. So it's it's an interesting change, uh, you know. So he he's he tells her that he feels like he's being watched. He says that you know he's letting this guy Matt get to him. You know he's and he says you know it's been almost ten years, and she's just like you know stick to your routine. You know because so, so basically he hasn't killed anyone in ten years is is what he's saying. So he goes back to the store. It's 9 a.m. You know, opens it, looks at the laptop. It still says the hold is processing. He deals with some other customers. Then it's time for lunch. People are protesting. You know, save our planet. Drilling is killing. Shame on you. You know, outside the tavern or something like that. And the tavern's closed because of this. And he can't get his tuna sandwich, which is part of his routine. So he's kind of bummed by this. The owner comes out. You know, he tries talking to people. The the hooded hitchhiker guys like across the street watching. Dexter almost sees him, you know, and, you know, as he turns around, but then, you know, the, the person ducks whip, you know, around the corner. He goes back to work. Fred says that Matt's hole cleared and he wants him to deliver the gun. So he asks Jim to do it. Uh, Dexter, he's like, he doesn't think it's a good idea to sell him the gun. And the, the guy, Fred's like, for nine grand? He's like, why not? So he goes over there. There's a big party at the house. And, you know, Dexter's like got it in a case and he's like looking for him. This he, Matt is apparently in the bedroom with some lady. So his his buddy um, is bummed because he brought the girl there and he's he's then he's talking to Dexter. He's like, I never should have got on, a, on that effing boat. He's like, I told Matt to stop. And Dexter's like, what do you mean you told him to stop? He's like, he wasn't was he was he wasn't driving. And Bill's like, right. And then he then he's like, F it. He's like, F him. He's like, I covered for him. Dexter asks him, he's like, was Matt driving? It's like, you know, why didn't he stop? Bill says, so Bill's the, the other guy. He's like, he was playing chicken and he was wasted. He's like, the worst part is the other guy gave up. He yielded and turned away. Matt continued and plowed right into him. So basically the cover for Matt, he's getting two grands a week. And he, and he got like a Rolex watch or something like that. So, you know, he's been lying for this guy. So he's just like a big jerk, whatever. Then he's like, oh, he's like, can this stay between us? He's like, you know, I really need that that two grand a week or whatever. And then Matt is finished with the girl. And I think that Dexter knew who the girl was. And she she sees him. You know, she obviously knows him because of small town. She's like, oh, don't tell my dad. And he's like, I won't if you leave right now. So he he needs Matt to sign for the gun or whatever. And Dexter says, you know, the owner is prohibited from operating the gun while intoxicated. And Matt's like, oh, too late for that. And then he raised, he, you know, he has a gun in his hand. He holds it up and he spins around, points it at Dexter. Dexter grabs it, cracks him in the nose with, with the, the, the butt of the rifle. And Matt's just like staring at him. 
And then it turns out it didn't really happen. So they keep doing these like little like false things, like kind of tricking us. So that then, you know, he's just like, whatever. And then, um, he, then Dexter's just like, you know, thanks for shopping at Fred's. And then he leaves back home. It's dark. Uh, someone's inside. So as Dexter's walking up, you know, there's an ax out on the stump. So he grabs that goes in the back and we see someone from behind looking through his stuff. It's a, the hoodie guy. And then he's like, what the hell are you doing? It's like this clean cut kid. And he's like, are you Dexter Morgan? He's like, it's me, Harrison. And Deborah, Deborah is like there, you know, in his mind, she's like, you can't everyone close to him, to him dies. That's why Dexter's out here, like in the middle of nowhere. So, um, then Jim, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Harrison's like, you look just like I remember. And Jim Dexter says, I must have one of those faces. So the kid's like, well, if you don't want me here, fine. Deborah's like, um, she's like listing the name of her friends who died and everything like that. And she lists her shirt to show like a bloody wound on her side and everything like that. Cause you know, she died too. She pulls out a bullet from the wound and she's like me. She's like everyone. So Jim's like, sorry. He's like, you know, I'm not the guy you're looking for. And he mentions uh, the town shelter on main street, whatever. He's like, I'm not going to report you or anything. And he gives him some money. He's like the, the next bus out of town is tomorrow night at seven 45. He's like, I hope you find what you're looking for. Opens the door for him. And then, you know, he looks over at the, the stuff that he was going through and the kid didn't quite see it, but there's a picture of him of, of Dexter holding a little kid in his arm. So it's like, did he see that? Or was it like, just, he was about to. So, you know, he looks out the window, he watches the, the kid leaves or whatever. And Deborah's like, you did the right thing. And he's like, he'll be safer. So then Dexter takes a picture. He like burns it outside in the fire pit. Cause he's like, you know, he needs to get rid of any evidence. So the next day he's got this like thing on a chain, like, out, out by the, uh, a hole in, you know, like fishing, ice fishing, whatever. So it's like starting to get, so he pulls it up and then it's Deborah and they're gasping and there's like other bodies inside. So he was sleeping. So he's like dreaming that, you know, she was under there or whatever. So then, um, she says that she's glad, you know, he, as he's laying in bed, she's glad that, that she went first. She wouldn't want to see him like this. Uh, she, you know, would have been lost in the world with, without her or something like that or without him. And, you know, he's a changed man. It's almost 10 years without a kill. You know, she loves him for it and all this stuff like that. Then we see him running in the woods again. He sees a white stag, puts it in his sight, and then he puts a rifle down and just watches it. And he starts walking closer and he tries going up to it and reaches out his hand. Gets kind of scared for a bit, but then he's like, please, please, please. So he walks up to it and they're like face to face. And this is like, at this point, I'm like, this thing has huge you know, antlers. I was like that. He couldn't pale you, like take you out. So he's like, he's about to touch it, you know, just like looking face to face. And then and blood on his face. Matt comes up. He's like, holy spit, holy poop, or whatever. He's like, I almost tagged you, dude. And he goes down to it. And then Dexter hits him with his rifle in the face. And it's like, okay, did he do that for real this time? And then he pulls out Matt's knife and he hesitates He's like, it's been a long time. He's like, but if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. First rule of the code, don't get caught. So he slits the deer's um, throat. And then, uh, you know, blood starts starts pulling out. There's quite a, quite a bit of blood. It, it's You would think, I would think it would just like go through the snow to the ground. But it was just like kind of, maybe there's ice. I don't know. It, you know, it's just, pull, and it starts pouring over the mat. And, you know, Dexter wipes, you know, the, the blood off the knife or whatever. So then back at his place, 
and uh, he's in the shed now. He's stapling up sheets of plastic to the walls, tarp on the table. Matt is taped down to the to table naked, so just like how he used to do it. Uh, there's blood on, on, on Matt's head, and then he's like, sorry about the mess. He's like, I'm out of practice. So he, he cuts his cheek with a glass, and he, he, he takes a, a drop for a slide sample. You know, he puts it on, on the glass or whatever. And then, uh, you know, he, he, Matt wakes up, and he's try, trying to get free. Dexter, he's like, you know, he tells him not to struggle. He, he's like, I'm no Eagle Scout, but I know my knots. And, you know, he wants to talk about what he did. And he's, he's like, what, about the stag? He's like, no, I want, to, you know, I want you to tell me what you did. He's like, own it. And Matt's like, or? And he raises a knife. And he does the same, you know, thing that, that he did. And Matt's like, you can't get away with killing me. And Dexter's like, again, you know, it's like, it's like, it's not the first time. Uh, he asks, he's like, what are you, a serial killer? And Dexter's like, I was. And he's like, who am I kidding? I still am. So then Matt starts panicking. He's like, well, what about, he's like, is it about the boat? And Dexter lists like what he did and he like admits it. So he, he's like, I did it, you know, so I was wrong. And then he's like, you shot my deer and you almost killed me. And he promises he won't kill again. He says that, you know, Dexter's like, I made the same promises. He raises a knife. Uh, then Matt starts crying. And, you know, he, the, his mom died when he was little and his dad wasn't there for him. And I was saying all this stuff. Dexter's like, are you going to blame this on bad parenting? And he's, he's like... I lost my parents when I was young too. He's like, I wouldn't have survived if it wasn't for Harry. He's like, he adopted me. And Matt's, you know, says that he understands. He's like, you, you can't kill me. And Dexter's like, well, we're past the point of no return. Then Matt's like, fine. He's like, screw you. He's like, my father knows everyone. He's like, he's just going to destroy you when he finds out what you did. And Dexter's like, like you said, life is short, dude. And then he stabs him. And he's like, tonight's the night. He's like, hello, Dexter Morgan. And he looks at, at a, his reflection, like, you know, as he's just taking this all in. Then Angela calls. So they're supposed to meet up. And he's like, oh, uh, yeah. He's like, a fox got in the hen house. It's a mess. Then he's he says to himself, he's like, you don't need trophies anymore. He's like, he's like I'm he's not a monster. So then he's like, what to do with you? So he starts chopping him up. He looks at, like, the ice fishing picture on the wall. He's like, it's not Miami Bay, but it'll do. Then Deborah's like, like, what the F are you doing? And he's like, not listening to you. So he drives through town. His life has always been truth adjacent. He's like, starting now, there'll be one less lie. So, you know, he's been lying that he's not a killer. So then at the bus station, Harrison, the kid, is, you know, he's getting ready to get on. Dexter walks up to him. He hands him a warmer jacket. He's like, oh, I thought you might need this. And he sits next to him. He's like, you know, after Miami, he's like, I can never get used to the damn cold. And Harrison pauses and he's like, I thought you said you didn't know me. And Dexter's like, you were right. He's like, I'm Dexter Morgan, your father. He's like, come home, please. They pull up to the cabin. He tells himself that, you know, his father protected him, taught him, kept him alive. He's like, that's exactly what I'm going to do for you, um, for his son. As they go inside, we see some blood on the snow outside. So Dexter was uh, messy because there's like a couple spots of blood. And the next episode is like, you know, there's going to be a, a search for Matt because, you know, his dad's important and Dexter is messy. So it's, I don't know how you feel about the fact that he's bringing his kid here, you know, like what, what, and the fact that, you know, his kid knows that he was Dexter and no one else knows. So he's going to have some, have to explain to him. He's like, yeah, you can't tell anyone I'm Dexter. 
that that's my name. My name is Jim now. And yeah, so it, I don't know. So it, it seems like it, it could get, get pretty messy. Um, I, I just, I just, I don't know. I feel like having a kid there might water it down a little bit. So we'll have to see what they do, but I'm sure they, they have it planned out and they know, they know what they're doing. So it was a good first episode. I was, I was really excited. I wasn't really sure how it was going to be like, you know, was this just gonna be like a cash grab revival or something, but it's good. It's interesting. We'll see what happens with the kid and, and where it goes from here. But, um, and the fact that he, you know, he's dating a, a police officer. So we'll, we'll see. So that, that was a good episode. And it's on Showtime. If I, cause I didn't mention that. All right. Then Chucky season one, episode five, little, little lies. This, this episode was really good. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad that they did things that they did. I've been enjoying the show. The stuff with with the kid with Jake, it's been all right. It's been a little little too much about the kids, you know, middle school kids, and yeah, it's just like this doesn't really feel like like Chucky, even though you know Child's Play had a little you know five year old kid or whatever, however old he was, but it's just it's just been okay, you know. It it's made it feel a little watered down having these young kids, you know, dealing with all this stuff. But I'm I'm kind of starting to come around with the kids. I'm starting to like them a little more maybe it's just getting to know them i don't maybe it's just the the writers and the actors you know like the kids finding you know their their footing and everything so it feels like everything is really coming together and then like i said uh they're really you know we've been seeing chucky's past and like who chucky is and who charles lee ray was you know sort of been some cool things there but what I really like about this episode is they tie into some of the movies, like directly. So there's some some important things, which I'll get to later on. So it starts off with like a dance club in like the 80s. And we see a guy. So we see Charles Lee Ray um, leaning against a bar. And there are some interesting, I'll just have to say something about who's playing Charles here. And, you know, he's, he's watching this couple on a dance floor. And uh, the lady like bites the guy's lip and he like, kind of gets upset. And then she starts kissing him and she like hits him and, and then she starts like unbuckling his his pants and he like kind of pushes away he's like you know you're crazy like what's going on so then uh charles lee ray he, you know he's uh no the, the, the dude what he does he puts on his uh, his sunglasses and he walks away like everyone's wearing sunglasses i don't remember wearing sunglasses inside in the 80s whatever i mean i wasn't in clubs you know in in the 80s so Charles, uh, he he's look kind of looking like a long haired creep, you know, just seeing her. He so he comes up, he offers her a cigarette, and he's like, "Oh, it's a shame your your friend had to run off like that." And then she's like, "Well, maybe that's my problem." She's like, "I'm not looking for a friend," and he's like, "Well, maybe you haven't found one." And she says that she's looking for something very specific, and he's like, "Try me." Then it cuts to the present. So Caroline, Lexi's sister, still in the hospital. She starts to wake up, and her dad, I finally, I, I was like, okay, what is her dad's name? So I finally looked it up. Her dad's name is Nathan. So I'm going to start referring to Lexi and Caroline's dad as Nathan. So he sees her, and she's like, I like to be hugged. And it's like, okay, that's a little weird. And then she's like, where's Chucky? And he, Nathan is like, well, you know, he had a long day, and he has to rest. And then she's like, I want Chucky. I want Chucky. I want Chucky. Because, you know, there, there's something with off with the girl, you know. But, you know, she's very specific. She, you know, she's attached. She's fixated on this. 
So he there's like this armoire in the room. So he's like, okay, but he looks a little different now. <laughs> and he pulls out half melted Chucky, <laughs> and she like screams. So then we see the dad, uh, Nathan. He puts Chucky like in a hospital garbage chute. He's like, okay, you're done. Chucky goes down, lands in his dumpster full like needles and hospital whatever toxic waste. And, and when he comes up, there's like a bunch of needles sticking out of his head, and he's like, "Oh, what a effing rush!" And he laughs. He's like, "God, I love hospitals." Oh, so it's kind of nasty. Caroline's mom and Lexi's mom. Her name is Michelle. So it takes me five episodes to learn their names. She comes into room because she heard that you know Caroline's awake, and uh, Caroline's watching something on the iPad. Lexi's there too, and then. Lexi asked Caroline, where's Chucky? And she was thinking that she could take him to get a Snickers. And, you know, he must be hungry after taking care of her. And she's like, I hate Chucky. He's bad. And then the mom, she's like, oh, it's all daisies until you dampen the room. So she, her Michelle is like, she's so wicked to Lexi. So Nathan tells her that she decided she doesn't like Chucky anymore. So he threw him in the garbage. Lexi goes out in the hall and she tells Jake and, and Devin to follow her. They go downstairs to like where the garbage you know area is. They look around. They see a dumpster of needles and like garbage is like constantly coming down. So they don't want to go in there. But Jake grabs a broom and you know he starts poking and he uh to, to you know they're gonna poke in there. He hands Lexi rubber gloves and she's like I don't want the gloves and she's like you know there's like seven diseases in there and then you know she tells Devin to take the gloves. But he's like, okay, are you going to be ready to catch him if he jumps out? So she's she's like, oh, fine. She, she takes the gloves. Jake's standing on a bucket and like kind of po- you know poking, moving things around in the, the dumpster. And um, he slips on it and he almost like falls in. But like Devin saves him, you know, catches him from falling in. And they kind of like look each other. You know, they're, they're both like kind of on the floor, you know, from getting pulled, you know, pulling him back. And they're just kind of like staring at each other's eyes. Lexi's still kind of digging through, which... Even with gloves, I mean, that just seems really dangerous, whatever, with all these needles and stuff like that. And then she, like, flings off the gloves or whatever, and, you know, because she, she can't find anything. And Devin, you know, gets some hand sanit- or sanitizer sprays or starts spraying her hands and everything like that. And she, like, sprays herself, like, all over. Then at school, <laughs> the science teacher, she's talking in class about their, their feelings of shock, pain, and guilt. And, you know, she's like, everyone will heal at their own rate. If anyone wants to talk, I'm available. But it's like, she's a science teacher. She's like, she's not a school counselor or whatever. It's like, I would never, you don't do that. You know, there, you don't, you can't cross any lines and you shouldn't be getting, taking this. You just don't, you know, you don't, you don't want to, because yeah, you're just putting, you're setting yourself up to hear stuff that you shouldn't. And then you're going to be in that awkward situation where you have to report it. You have to do something because you're legally responsible <clears throat> Anyways, I guess she just really cares. Maybe that that's it. And then Detective Evans, uh, Devin's mom, shows up at the door. And the teacher tells the class, she's like, okay, get started in the next chapter. You know, I'm going to step out for just a minute. Which is like, okay, you can't leave a class unintended. You absolutely cannot. You are not supposed to leave them. You can't just walk out in the hall and leave them to do whatever they want. But she does that. So Lexi gets up and she talks to Jake and Devin. And, you know, she's like, how does he even get around so fast? He's a freaking doll. And Junior is like sitting at, at his like table thing or whatever. And he's like wondering what they're talking about. 
And Jake's like, well, maybe he just left Hackensack, which is the town they're in. And Devin's like, he's a serial killer in his hometown. He's like, he's not leaving anytime soon. He's, he definitely has an agenda. Because, you know, Devin has a serial killer podcast, you know, so he's an expert on, on killers or whatever. And then Jake's like, well, what do we do about Junior? And Devin's like, we should tell him. And Lexi's like, no, he doesn't have the imagination. You know, so it's just the three of us. Jake's like, well, there haven't been any murders since the hospital, so he must be, you know, Chucky must be itching for a killing now. Then Jake asks Devin for his thoughts on where, who Chucky might go after, since, you know, he's an expert on serial killers. He starts talking, you know, saying some stuff. Then Junior walks up. He's like, hey, what are you guys talking about? And Lexi's like, nothing. And there's a pause. Then Junior's like, have you seen Westworld? It's about this theme park with hot robots where you can do anything to them. They're like, no, we've been busy. And they're like, no. He's like, oh, it's, it's pretty cool. It's like, all right. Um, it was like Westworld. like, how old is this? When is this taking place? Then the teacher comes back. So, you know, they have to sit down. Lexi sits and then she texts them, you know, Let, let's finish this after class. And then Junior sees them both pick up their, their phones because they got texts from her. And he's like, what's, what's going on? Why is she texting them? So Jake and Devin uh, stand by this memorial for Oliver. Jake says that, you know, it's all his fault. And Devin's like, well, you know, it's, it's good to share what you're feeling with someone. And then he tells him, like, just close your eyes. And Jake's kind of confused and everything. So he does it. And Devin says, you know, he's like, feel what's in your gut, like unfiltered. And Jake mentions dreams. Like, you ever had a dream where you feel like you're running in place and you're not getting anywhere? He's like, I feel like that now. And then Devin slowly, like, takes his hand. And Jake, like, opens his eyes. And then more staring at each other. And they're just like looking at each other while the rest of school is like, like time lapse, like moving fast while they're like not in a time lapse. They're just standing there, which is like, how long have they been standing there? Like, not really. Then Lexi and her family come home. The house is being worked on since, you know, half of it burnt down or whatever. Uh, Michelle talks about all the work that's going to get done. And Nathan's like, how much is that going to cost? And she's like, nothing. It's on the people of Hackenstack. And he's like, how will they feel about their tax dollars being used to clean up our mess? And she's like, they'll be happy. They're restoring order and they'll be grateful for a sense of security. And she's like, you know, the people of the town need to know that they're safe. And she says, what better way than a town meeting tonight? And Lexi's like, so you're going to lie? And when, when Michelle, it's like, what do you mean? And, and she's like, why? Well, I, I need to get out of here. And Michelle's like, uh-uh. She's like, you're grounded. She's like, you caused this. So you have to live in it with us. And she's like, you're grouted until I say you're not. So she's like, ah, and she like storms off. Nathan comes, or Nathan takes Caroline into Michelle's office. He's like, how would you like to sleep in here? And she's like, where's my bed? Whatever. It's like, I want my bed. I want my bed. And whatever. So then he's like, well, I have a surprise for you. And and then he has a Chucky doll. Her face lights up because it's like a, a real regular Chucky doll. It's not, not burnt Chucky. Lexi walks in. She's like, where did that come from? And then it says, hi, I'm Tommy. Want to play? So Caroline hugs him. And she's like, Tommy hugs too, just like Chucky. And Lexi's like, can I get a hug too? And she she takes Tommy. And she starts pounding on him, slamming on the floor and everything like that. They all kind of freak out. And, you know, they, they take Tommy away. And then Lexi takes a picture of, like, Caroline and t- holding Tommy. And then she leaves. And there, there's like, what are you doing, dude? It's like, Lexi just had his freak out and dial and whatever. At Junior's, you know, they're having dinner. His dad, his dad's name is Logan. So I'm learning everyone's name now. He says that he has some news. 
he's like, thanks to a favor that was owed to him, Junior is still going to nationals next month for like running for cross country or whatever. Then there's kind of silence, and Bree's like, is that a good idea? And you know, because the doctor said something at the hospital, or whatever. And then Junior's like, but I missed regionals because I was in the hospital. He's like, I didn't qualify. Isn't that kind of unfair? And Logan's like, well, this is a teaching moment. You know, you have to take advantage of opportunities. And Jake gets a text, and you know, in it kind of buzzes a couple times. Bree's like, like Jake, no phones at the dinner table. And then Junior sees it's from Lexi. And he's like, what's she doing texting you? She hasn't returned my texts all day. So then uh, Bree asks for the phone. And Jake's like, I don't want to. And then Junior starts grabbing for it. They start struggling and everything like that. And then Logan like grabs Junior. He's like, drop it. And so you know Jake gets up and leaves. And then Junior gets up and leaves. So Bree wants to talk. And she's like, now maybe, you know, maybe this isn't the best time to have an extra son in the house. And she feels like, you know, everything is falling to pieces and what he's doing isn't helpful. And he's like, I'm not my brother, you know, with the, you know, anger issues and everything like that. So she wants to tell him something because, you know, she's hiding something. You know, who is she going to see? You know, is she having an affair? Like, what, what what's the deal? So Jake looks at the text, sees a pic of uh, the picture of Caroline and Tommy. Caroline is singing It's a Bitsy Spider with Tommy and Melted Chucky is watching from the window and it's like raining outside and there's like lightning. So he's just like watching from the window and it's just like really creepy and everything. So Nathan later, he checks on Caroline and Tommy while they're, they're sleeping. Then he sees Melted Chucky with like some other toys and he's confused because he threw it in the, in the garbage. Like, why is it there? So he takes Chucky out. Uh, Michelle can't figure out what to do, how to start the, the dishwasher. So Lexi has to start, you know, she's just sitting there drinking. Nathan walks through with Chucky and Lexi's like, where'd that come from? And Michelle gets on Lexi's case for like no reason. And he, then she tells like, Oh, just get out of my sight and go to your room. And Nathan's like, she doesn't have a room. And Michelle's like, well, whose fault is that? And he tells her, he's like, just give it a rest. And he takes Chucky outside. Lexi texts Jake and Devin. And she's like, get over here. ASAP. Nathan puts Chucky in a garbage can outside, closes the lid when Nathan comes back in, Michelle tells him, she's like, never undermine my authority in front of the kids. And he tells her, he's like, pick a lane. And she's like, what? He's like, mom or mayor. He's like, I'm not sure you can do both. So then Lexi is holding down the garbage can lid. Jake and Devin ride up on their bikes. And Jake has a sack. Devin has a taser. They're, they're not sure if the taser is going to work, but whatever. They're going to try it. They open the lid and there's a skunk inside. And then, then, so somehow there's a skunk. Then they get Chucky. So Chucky was in there. They shove him in the in the, in the bag. And you hear, I like to be hugged. And then they stomp, stomp on it. It's like, he's like banging on it. And then he's like in pieces. They like dump the pieces out and his head rolls out, whatever. Um, they like high five. I think Lexi might have kicked his head you know, down the, the sidewalk a little bit. Then Jake's like, well, what about the other one? And Lexi's like, it's just a dumb doll. She's like, I already checked. So they're just like happy. Chucky's dead. So it's like five episodes in and that's it next day jake and devin i I don't know it seems like it's the next day because it's brighter so it's like have jake and devin been writing all night so they're happy and uh so maybe it's just later i don't know so they're happy uh jake asks he's like what do we do now and devin's like go back to normal and jake's like sometimes i'm not sure what normal feels like and devin's like i feel like that all the time and you know he's like i think it's a problem that we can solve together so then they kiss there's a little peck and then it's a little longer, um, so they're, they're actually kissing now. And then they almost fall over because they're they're like kind of on their bikes, you know. So then they kind of laugh, and then Devin's like, "Bye," and and Jake's like smiling. 
So finally, after all this time, because you know Jake's had this crush on him, and Devin feels the same way. So hooray for Jake and Devin. And I, I mean that sincerely. So that, that that's that's good. We cut back to the 80s club, and the, the girl asks Charles if he sees something he likes. Then they go up to this girl. Then we see that the girl's like partying in the hotel room while Charles is watching. He gets a knife ready. Then he pulls a second girl off and raises a knife. And then she's like, do it. And the other girl's like, what the hell? And she's like, hello, what the hell? So he was with the first girl, but then she's like kind of freaking out. She's like, what are you doing? So Charles stabs the first girl. And then he asks the, the new girl, the second girl, her, her, she got red hair or thing or something like that. Or was she red hair or wearing a red dress? He calls her red. And then he's uh, asks her if she wants to play. Um, so then she takes the, the knife and stabs the first girl like over and over again. And then they start like going at it. So then she's like, my name is Tiffany. And then he's like, yeah, you should, you know, you should probably go blonde or something like that. So this is Tiffany, which is, uh, you know, Jennifer Tilly in the movies, you know, Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky and all that. So this was a, a, an important moment. So now we finally see how did Charles E. Ray and Tiffany meet? And um, we see that she's just as demented and twisted as he is. So that was a first moment right there. Really cool that the show is addressing that, that they're not ignoring the movies. I'm not sure what, how I feel about Bride of Chucky and all that stuff, but, you know, it's it's good that they're acknowledging it. So then Brie is uh, like telling someone about her secret. You know, she's sitting like on, a, on like someone's sofa or whatever. And she's like, it's all I think about. She's like, I know it's wrong. And I think about Logan and the look on his face when, you know, I finally say the words. And every time I try to tell him, she's like, I can't. So she's talking to a therapist. Therapist asks if um, she thought about telling Junior. She's like, he's just a kid. You know, he'll he'll find out soon enough. And she she talks about how Logan is pressuring him. And and she talks about last night. And then the the therapist says, your illness? And, And Bree's like, stage four cancer. So she's not having an affair. So she's like saying the words, you know, it still doesn't feel real. She, you know, she just wants to protect everyone. So she kind of decided not telling them was the way to go. And a therapist asks, how does it feel putting the weight of all that on her shoulders? And she's like lonely. And a therapist says, you know, let the people that you love, you know, back into your life, you know, let them know. Then it cuts to Hotel Hackensack in its present day. Two women are going at it in a, the same room as from the, the flashback. There's this dude tied to a chair with like a ball gag and there's a dead body on the floor. So Tiffany is there, Jennifer Tilly. And she's like, what's the matter? Uh, she's like, aren't you enjoying the show? So Tiffany acts like she's talking to Chucky. Cause there's, you know, to the other, other girl. And then they start complaining because Tiffany is hungry and wants to eat now. So the other girl is Nika from the curse of, of Chucky and the cult of Chucky, who's played played by Brad Dorf's daughter in real life. So she, because um, so what had happened uh, in cult of Chucky, Nika. So Chucky f- made it seem like Nika. She was in a wheelchair, made it seem like she killed her family, and then she was in this sent to this like a, a hospital and say an asylum or whatever. Chucky did his voodoo stuff like that. And part of his soul went into Nika. So not all of them. Cause he was somehow able to split his, his soul. And when the piece, whatever went into Nika, then she could stand, she can walk. 
And so it's like she's basically kind of Charles in Nika's body. So <laughs> it's a little weird. So, you know, she's says that, you know, she's hungry and everything like that. So then she's uh, talking to the, the, the tied up dude because uh, Je- uh, Tiffany, you know, steps out or whatever. And she's talking to dude about how she likes killing with Tiffany, but sometimes she just wants to kill her. And then she uh, cuts the dude by the scalp a little bit. And when she sees the blood on the knife, she kind of reverts and like faints. And then she's like, where am I? And she asks the guy, she's like, are you okay? And she's like, I can't walk. Cause so she like, she somehow turned back to Nika. So she helps the guy and you know, she takes the, the thing out of his mouth and he begs her not to kill him. And then she's like, what's, what's the date? And he's confused. And then when she finds out, she's like, it's been two weeks. And she's like, I'm not a killer. And he's like, I watched you kill that guy on the floor. And she says that you know her name is Nika Pierce, and she asks if there's a, a good guy doll around there. And then he's like, "Who's Chucky?" And she says that he killed her family, framed her for murders, put her in a mental hospital, and she tells him that, that was like two weeks ago. So Chucky split his soul into pieces. One of those pieces inside her, but she's still there too. So she says that she can save him. She unties one hand, and he like punches her. Tiffany comes back and she's like, Chucky, she's like, you know, what are you doing on the floor? And then Nika stands back up. So the the punch must have kicked Chucky back in, in control. So she's like, oh, I dropped a knife. And then they leave the room. The guy starts untying, like, you know, because his one arm is untied. So he starts untying to rest himself. And then Chucky, Nika, pops back in and says, let's keep this Nika BS between us. And it slashes his throats. It's like, it'll be our little secret. And <laughs> so here's the interesting thing, which I didn't realize. Uh, she, the the actress playing Nika is also, also played Charles E. Ray with like a wig and, and everything like that. So that, that was kind of funny that she was kind of like playing her dad, whatever. Anyways. The town people gather in the auditorium for the town meeting. Lexi, Jake, and Devin are sitting together. Junior's with Logan and, and Bree. Caroline's sitting next to her dad. And she's like, Tommy ran away. And and then he's like, oh, we'll, we'll find him, whatever. Junior comes over to Lexi, uh, Jake, and, and Devin. And he's like, move. Because he like wants to sit next to Lexi. Because there's, there's like a, a seat next to Devin. And um, so they just sit there. And then Jake and Devin hold hands, and he's like, what the hell? And Lexi says, Jake's style Chucky was alive and killed his dad and Oliver and a cop at the hospital and your housekeeper too, and he wouldn't stop killing, so we broke him into pieces. Now he's dead, so everyone can stop worrying about him. And he looks away, and he's like, if you don't want to tell me, fine, but making up that stupid poop is just embarrassing. He's like, grow up. And he calls Jake an a-hole. And then she's like, told you. So Michelle starts talking to the town about the recent series of unfortunate accidents in the community, thoughts and prayers to anyone who lost an acquaintance. She says in Hackensack, it's never been safer. She's doing everything in her power to keep them all healthy and happy. Nothing is more important to her than family. Then Detective Evans is going to come out and say some, some things. So she says there's a curfew that starts tonight. She sees Devin and Jake. It's like, did she see? does she see them holding hands? You know, she might from you know up on the stage. Then uh, she's like, the principal wants to say a few words. And there's a pause. And then, you know, they, they call the principal again. Then uh, a head rolls on the stage. And uh, the principal is like, s- still like blinking, whatever. Then Chucky opens the curtains. 
There's a body sitting on a chair with its thumbs up. Lexi freaks. And uh, she's like, we killed him. And in a flashback to Chucky in the window, he, you know, when uh, Caroline is with Tommy. So he walks in and sees Tommy lying next to Caroline, tells his reflection that he looks good with or He looks like a, a tuna melt. He's like, no one's going to love him looking like this. So he starts doing the voodoo chant, whatever. And then melted Chucky falls back. And then Tommy says, hi, I'm Tommy. Want to play? And then that's the end of the episode. So Chucky got rid of melted tuna melt Chucky. He's now in Tommy and he's back and he killed the principal. So just when you thought we were going to make it through an episode without a death, he kills the principal and heads will roll. Her head rolled. So there's only three more episodes left, which is a, a, a bummer. Um, but it, I'm, I'm in, enjoying. So I really like the fact that they're, they're tying into the movies. Um, Cult of Chucky. So I did talk about Cult of Chucky on a secret podcast episode. I should have note what episode number. I don't remember what it is. I, I'd have to find it. Uh, but I actually haven't seen the movie. I, I don't think I've ever seen Seed of Chucky. I didn't see the one before. Uh, I didn't see Curse of Chucky. And I can't remember if there's one in between there. Or so if it was only those two. So I should probably watch those. So I will sometimes. But I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying this show. So you should watch it. If you don't have sci-fi or whatever. I mean, there's an app. I think you can watch it from there. Unless you just don't like Chucky. I, and I get it. It might be too scary for some people. All right, then. DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Season 7, Episode 5. It's a mad, 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 mad scientist. All right, I'm just going to get into it. Gary arrives in New York City, 1925. He goes into Alley to use the key. Sarah, Ava, and Brard come out. So they, they need to find this Dr. Gwyn Davies guy. You know, he's inventor of time travel and everything like that. Newsstand guy overhears him talking. Then he recognizes, uh, he's like, what are you talking about? Whatever. Then he recognizes the bullet blondes. Pulls out a shotgun and shoots at them. Sarah gets shot and goes flying. Brard hits him with his wind power, which is like such a weird power. It's like, I don't know what it is, wind or smoke or whatever. Uh, Sarah gets up and her wound starts healing and you know people are like like kind of freaking out whatever. Zari is looking at the Robo Hoover's head and she tells Nate that the code is the same as the Wave Riders and she's like there's even this blue chip that you know they they have those chips all over the Wave Rider. And Nate's like so we can confirm that the Wave Rider that blew up ours is making Hoover bots and so they just don't know who and why is, is doing this. The others return Sarah says that they they found out where the lab where Davis works and Sarah you know they're gonna go there but Sarah tells Ava that she has to stay uh, since they were recognized she doesn't want to risk someone shooting at at Ava because she won't heal from that. Sarah and Gary uh, sit outside the lab you know they they don't know what this guy looks like but they see this one dude they assume it's him because he's nerdy he's in a hurry he's clutching his bag so Sarah goes up to him like kind of knocks a. Uh, the bag out of his hand and like some paper spill out and you know she's trying to talk to him and everything like that she manages to take one file and it just happens to be a file for a time machine astra spooner and gideon have been walking trying to hitchhike but uh for a ride but no one will stop for them they're like in the middle of cornfields whatever gideon reminds them that they need to get to davis by 7 p.m tomorrow or the legends will die this car drives by, doesn't stop. So Astra decides to pick up a rock and she performs a spell in it. And it's, it's a good luck spell. Then this truck comes by and it stops. So I guess it worked. 
The legends uh, look at Davis's instructions. Brard says that he basically it says it's going to take about five years to build. Sarah wants to drink from an unlimited booze, but Ava says that she has to ninja the files back to Davis first. So, you know, continuity, timeline, whatever, all that stuff. Sarah goes over his office and he's asleep on a sofa. Then she sees this big prototype of a time machine uh, that he started building. So Sarah tells the others about the, the time machine and she's like, it's just begging to be used. Berard says that according to Davis' notes, it's missing one part. So Ava wants to slow down because the manual says that Davis laid down the foundations of time travel, but you know it doesn't say that he invented it on that that day. So Zari suggests that you know maybe he time traveled somewhere, couldn't recharge, and got stuck there for a bit. So the the truck with with uh, Spooner, Astro, and, and Gideon is having some engine trouble, like the the clutch is slipping, so it's going to slow them down. Spooner uses the rock again to try to get more luck. This guy in a car drives up. It says something like, you know, Los Angeles uh, to New York on, on the side. So the, the, the driver, his they, they recognize him, or someone recognizes him as, as Cannon, Cannonball something. He's this race car driver. So he's like, do any of you know the fastest route to Cleveland? And so, of course, Gideon does. You know, she's like, take the I-80 and do blah, 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 whatever. So then he offers them a ride, if, you know, whatever, if they, they help with the directions. Sarah and Gary return to Edison Labs, and Gary is going to go search for the part. Sarah, um, she has to figure out a way to talk to, to Davis. She sees this mail cart, so somehow she gets it from the w- woman pushing it. She tells him, you know, she starts putting all these, these files on his desk, and he's like, no, I told you, I don't want to talk, or whatever. And she's like, all these need your um, Edison, you know, Mr. Edison said that they, they want his opinion on all these files by tomorrow, because they're trying to stall him you know, or that for that night. Gary's searching through some boxes, finds a piece. Ava's stressing because, you know, she feels like she should be out there. Zari still doesn't know who sent the Hoover bots, but she did find a, a to-do list in his programming. And there's one thing that supersedes everything else. Eliminate the legends. So Ava wonders if the person who sent the Hoover to protect the timeline also wants them dead. But it's like the legends are about protecting the timeline. So why would they want to kill them? and so forth. Gary runs into Thomas Edison and he sees the machine part in his hand. He's like, uh, he's like, we're, you're supposed to log out items. You know, when you, you take it, whatever. And he's like, who's your supervisor? And Gary's like Davis. And Ed, Edison's like, for what pro what project is this for? And Gary's like, Oh, it's for the time travel project. And he's like, ah, and then he, you know, drops the form. He calls security to meet him at Davis's office. Edison um, enters Davis' office and orders security to confiscate everything. Edison, um, then he sees like the time travel manual and he's like, I told you the time travel was a fool's errand. So he, he's been drafting it at work and stealing company parts. Davis begs him to let him complete it. Edison's like, you're terminated. He's like, I'm going to personally burn this file. And then Davis gets in his face. He's like, you couldn't possibly understand. Security has to pull him back. So then he's like, send him to Bellevue. He's like, he's obviously lost his mind. And Sarah's like, oh, crap. There's a roadblock. Police said, uh, so with the Astro Spooner and, and Gideon, police say that they've received a call 10 towns over about a speed demon headed this way, which is kind of ridiculous. That they would know the exact route. So he says that, you know, they need to step out of the vehicle and he's taking them in and he's impounding the car, which just seems extreme. 
Astra takes to rock and she tells a cop that the dude is trying to break a record and it's being written all over in the papers that he could be the cop who arrested a legend or he could let them go and be hailed as the officer who gave Cannonball a police escort to across the finish line. And he looks at them and he's like, you'll use my name in a paper? And then he's like, well, let's get, get across that line. Nate uh, talks to Zari. So she's been wondering what he and Gary have been talking about. And then he realizes that he was using her totem as an excuse not to take uh, the next step. And she's like, oh, we're having that talk. And he says that he knows a way that they can be together. And he's like, it's this place, you know, the, the pocket manor. Uh, the problem is she and the other Zari can't coexist without Berard's head exploding or something like that. In this dimension, time and space don't exist, so they can finally live together. And Nate gets uh, up to get her another donut. Hoover says, like, oh, I'm learning to read people, the Hoover bot. And he's like, that was a fine performance. And he's like, you might get your lies past, you know, Nate, but not me. So something's uh, bugging Zari. Ava asks, uh, what's the date? And uh, a calendar shows Davies planned on using the time machine tonight. So 7 p.m. is marked down with a maiden voyage. Berard calls him, and then he has, so he has a time machine. He puts in the, the last piece, and he says, I present the world's first time machine. He starts it up, and then the time bureau manual disappears out of Ava's hands. And then she disappears. And Gary's like, <gasps> and then he disappears. And Berard says, he's, he's like, they disappeared when he put in the device. So he figures if he just pulls it out, they'll come back. But nothing happens. And Sarah's like, it's my fault. It's like, if the Bureau doesn't exist, that means I never met Ava. And she says, and they'll, they'll never be able to go back and cover their tracks. So Davis has to install the last part and take the maiden voyage. She mentions that they have to get um, the file back from Edison 2 all before 7 p.m. So Sarah asks Zari to change Hoover's to-do list so he can get the, the files from Edison. Edison would be, you know, he'd be more likely to give them to Hoover than to them. So Sarah goes to Bellevue to talk to Davis. He's like strapped down to a bed. She tells him that she's a time traveler and she says that he needs to do his voyage tonight. And he's like, you're a liar. And he refuses to go anywhere with her. So he starts yelling. He's like, guards, guards. And then she puts a little uh, blade up to his neck to uh, quiet him down. And he starts having a panic attack. And so she apologizes for not treating him like a person. You know, she's just kind of using him because for the, to get the time travel, whatever going. She says that um, she wants to get back to her wife. You know, they just got married or whatever. And he's like, he's like oh, you know, you're, you're married. And, and then he's like, the whole idea of being together in love or what he's like, this is what, why he wanted to invent time travel or something, you know, fate. I don't know. Zari, Nate and Hoover bot arrive at Edison labs. Uh, she said that she added some other tweaks. So he does this like big kind of creepy teethy smile and he opens the door for them. So they, they go to talk to Edison. Um, they get the file, you know, gives it to him. Edison's wondering why someone of his stature would be interested in this nonsense. Hooverbot starts glitching and then he explodes. Nate's like, uh, he's like, I can explain everything. And then Edison has a heart attack. He falls forward, smashes into the coffee table. So then they, they start to gather the pieces. Nate wonders why Hooverbot exploded. And she's like, you know, maybe he was being pulled in two directions that he couldn't um, reconcile, kind of like their relationship. 
And he thinks that she's getting cold feet about living together. And she's like, no, she's like, that's what I want. But in the totem, not in the manner. She's like, I found a real community there. She's like, I, I feel like I'm part of a family. So she's like, the last two years, it's felt like home. And then they kiss, but they realize that they need to get out of there. And then there's like this big rumble. Sarah and uh, Davis are running through the halls. They come to a dead end. And then he realizes that they think he's mad. So he holds a knife, uh, the, the, the little knife that Sarah had to her neck. And he tells uh, like the doctor and the nurse to, to back off. Then there's another Hoover bot and a new Edison bot. They walk into Edison's office. Nate and uh, Zari are hiding under the desk. Cannonball has to pee, so he pulls over. Astra and Spooner get out, too, to stretch their legs. Gideon's, like, sleeping in the back. This guy in a bike rides by. He's like, oh, I like the car. And then um, they talk about, you know, maybe even having time to grab some food before tonight, you know, when they get to New York. Spooner's going to use the rock to help. And then she realized, she's like, oh, I left it in the car. The guy in a bike, he they turn around, they see him get in the car, and he steals it, drives off with it. Cannonball, he's like, doesn't really care that much. Then he just starts riding in a bike. He's like, I still have time to beat my record. Nate and Zari head back to the lab with the Hoover parts in, in the box. Sarah brings in Davis. Sarah sees uh, the Hoover bot, and Nate tells her that Edison's dead. And there's another Hoover bot, and there's also an Edison bot that's been deployed. Berard gives him the final piece to, to Davis to install to get the timeline back on track. He puts it in. Ava comes back. Then Gary comes back. Ava's confused. And Davis says that it might be a bit of a squeeze, but they could probably all fit in a time machine and they can send them back to 2021. So then it's it's dark now. Spooner um, is looking for another rock for Astor to use to put a spell on. And she's like, I can't. It, it was fake. She's like, there is no luck spell. She's like, I did it to give you some some hope. And Astra says that they made their own luck, but now they only have five minutes to stop Davis. In the car, Gideon wakes up. Uh, the, the car thief freaks out. He's like, who are you? He's like, what are you doing here? You know, she has to the count of three to get out of his new car. She picks up the rock because she sees that on the floor and she knocks him out. They plan on, um, so the, the legends, they plan on going to a safe house in 2021 that I think the Bureau might not really know about. So, you know, they could go there like no one will really see him. Astra, she uses her magic to overload some power lines so that the time machine, they can't get it to work. Gideon runs to the lab. Uh, the time machine is about to start up and she sees them and she yells, no. And then Astra passes out. Uh, they see the, the power go out in the city. Um, Spooner and Astra run to the lab later. They enter and they see them all sitting around in the dark with candles. Gideon finishes explaining how she got there. Because I don't know if they knew that that she became a person now. Maybe they didn't know that. So um, then there's this big group hug. Davis sees them all and he asks, like, he's like, how many bloody time travelers are there? So they ask Gideon what might have caused the time machine to explode. Then there is a, a cooling device that needed to contain all the energy, but it won't be invented for another 300 years. So Davis says that, uh, he was supposed to die that day, but he didn't by God's will. So there has to be another way. Zari gets an idea. Uh, the blue chip, the, the one in the Hoover spot, uh, head is still intact. So they try again. And then outside, another wave, the, I think they, they kind of hear something. You, they don't see it because the, I guess the curtains are, the drapes are, shutters are closed. But they can hear it. It's, it's another wave rider. They set the machine to 2021. Shroom. 
and then they land like in a forest or something. So like something happened. It didn't quite work out. So the timeline's messed up still. And uh, we'll have to wait till next week to see what happened. So it was, eh, I don't know. So that was the show. I, I don't really have much else to say about it. And I'm just going to move on to Doom Patrol Season 3, Episode 11. Is that right? Episode 11? Um, or no, is it Episode 10? So yeah, it's season t- uh, Episode 10, Amends Patrol. So we see the buses on the side. Uh, song uh, Take a Picture by Margot Gary plays, which is like kind of like an upbeat song. It seems really weird where you see the drug... A bus on the side and some little little flames and whatever. Rita's lying on the ground, her arms like really extended. Then she starts to retract it. There's like broken glass. Uh, Cliff grunts inside and he gets up. Vic seems to be fine, okay uh, as well, which is surprising. Whatever. Um, then Larry uh, asks. Uh, he has a slug. He sees it's it's okay. Um, it it seems to have like a cut. Uh, on it and then just like these energy tentacles kind of come out and zap him but he's like oh i'm good he's like we're good he asks rita if she's all right and she kind of half nods vic comes out carrying jane and so he's like this is bad rita she's like well we've been here before we've been battered and bruised and and we've risen risen from the ashes whatever larry's like are you really uh, you know trying to give us a rally speech now and she's like, I am. She's like, exact. That's exactly what we're gonna do. We're gonna rally and march to Florida to save Cliff. And Vic says that you know he gets it. He's like, you flipped your pancakes. He's like, the bus is total. Larry's worm is going hay- haywire. And he's like, and look at Jane. And Rita's like, Jane will be fine. We see Jane walking down the tracks in the tunnel in the, in the underground. Uh, she tells herself she's like, Kay's fine. She's like, she screamed. Kids scream all the time. Then she sees a cave in at the tunnels. You know, there's a bunch of like rocks and whatever. So she calls up and then she wakes up and Rita's like, see, and Jane says, she's like, I don't think I'm in any shape to help anyone right now. And Rita's like, that's it. We're really going to abandon Cliff. And Vic's like, he's like, we didn't crash because Jane screamed. Larry's like, he's right. He's like, we're not built for this. And Vic says that, you know, he always are, or she always argued this and she was right. She's like, he's like, we're not a super team. Then some fog starts up. And Shelly appears there, the fog, um, tells Rita that, you know, she wasn't satisfied with the results of the flagellation, but if only she could see the effect it had on people across the globe. Rita says that the only thing that she saw was Lord DeMille walking off unscathed and unrepentant. And Shelly's like, you don't know that. And Rita's like, well, nor do you. So she's going to do with her bare hands what, you know, she couldn't do with song and dance and masked effing birds. And Shelly asks if this is what Malcolm would have wanted for her. And she kind of like fights a sob and she's like, well, we'll never know. Shelly's like, you know, she betrayed us all, but, you know, she's like, I know Laura isn't completely lost and, you know, neither are you to Rita. And then she just disappears and then Rita starts walking. In the woods, Mala or Mala, Mala is sitting and smoking while uh, Laura and Cliff's brain are still on a stretcher. So she's still tied there with the, the, the jar of the brain like the crook of her arms so she wakes up and asks where the f she is mala says that this is where the brotherhood dispose of garbage and he says that he's like look on the bright side he's like i spent the better part of an evening debating whether or not to toss you over and you're still alive so she says well you better get on with it because when i get free i'm going to tear you apart with with uh, and she's going to have his hand for an ashtray or whatever mala just like ignores her says that 
uh, they have it good there, uh, but she ruined everything you know, at the retirement community. Now the brain has a new body and the cycle of conquest will begin anew. He wants to just be out of the um, business of evil, you know, put it behind him and just move on. He thanks her for being the catalyst of change. She's cut from the same awful cloth as the brain. He knows she'll figure her own way out. He gets in uh, the van and drives away. So she like struggles and everything like that. And then the jar falls out of her arms and like down into this like pit and it just goes down, down there. So it's like, that's not good if it shatters. Jane, Larry and Vic are walking with, with uh, Shelly. Jane says that she doesn't know what she has in mind, but she's not ready for this. Shelly says that she heard her distress and it's high time that they, they find her. So she sees Hammerhead in the woods who she just kind of glares at her (laughs) And Jane's like, oh, you're just going to IF me? <laughs> and then she like goes after Hammerhead. Shelly and, and Vic kind of go after too. Larry starts, but then the parasite, it, it turns red. And like red tentacles come out and kind of zaps him and he falls to his knees. Vic, um, and there's other people there too. At first, I'm like, who are these other people? Well, I, I think these other people were the different personas in K in, with, with Jane. So uh, Vic pulls a... Uh, the the slug away from Larry and Larry's says that it tried to kill him. He's like he says that he, it hates him. This lady says Keith doesn't hate you. So the lady's name is Mama Pentecost. They're like you understand it. She's like I'm fluent in most languages, including light and color. So when she sees the, the cut, she tells Larry that Keith needs to merge with him. He's like that's not going to happen. He's like that's not who I am. Not anymore. And Mama Pentecost says then he will die soon. Jane catches up to Hammerhead, and she's like, I hope you a-holes are happy. The girl is effed because of you. Hammer said, Hammerhead says, the girl made it plain as day that she doesn't want them around anymore. And Dr. Harrison said it's safer in the fog. So Jane's like, when exactly did you become Dr. Harrison's little bitch? They only exist because of the girl. And Hammerhead looks at Shelly, and Jane's like, what? And Shelly says that there's something that she needs to see. So the brain... And Robert Mann's body is going around. Um, the Wanderer is playing. <laughs> and uh, he's like, it's a good day to be the brain. So he goes on his golf cart. And then Laura comes in this giant uh, robot body that was like in the, the dump, I guess. She's like, you going somewhere, you little poop? <laughs> so Cliff is in the brain's old can body. And um, he starts to wake up inside the giant robot as like Laura's kind of piling like these big levers or whatever. And he's like, I feel weird. And she's like, yeah, you're a giant robot now. And we're about to exact revenge on the little poop who stole your body and tried to kill us. And she's like, congratulations. And you're welcome. So the brain tries uh, in Cliff's body and robot man's body tries driving away in uh, the golf cart. He's like, this isn't fair. He's like, I don't deserve this. I'm the brain. And then a giant robot put stomps him into the ground and laura's like you're what dog poop on the bottom of my shoe and cliff's like question he's like was that the sound of my one and only body being pancaked and she's like yeah it was phenomenal next stop doom manor and rita effing far so uh hammerhead takes jane to the candy shop some of the other personas are lying on cots on the floor and she asks if if they're all sick hammerhead just shrugs and uh, pretty Polly calls out to her. She said, sorry, you know, she was scared. And she says, you know, she didn't want to be alone. 
Jane says, it'll be okay, we'll fix this. And she takes her hand and she notices it's kind of crumbly. And it reminds her of like some of the rubble when she was at the, the cave-in, when she you know picked some of it up. Dr. Harrison walks in and says, now is not the time for her to burst in and rile everyone up. Hammerhead says, you know, something happened to the girl. Harrison says that she heard good thing that they got out when they did. And Jane's like, the underground crumbled and collapsed. And just like everyone in the candy shop, she's like, it's connected. Harrison says, that certainly is a theory. Jane tells her, she's like, cut the poop. <laughs> she asks, you know, what's it going to take for you to go back and get the others to go with you? And Harrison just kind of looks at her smugly. So the giant robot is walking across like this map, making its way to the manor. Uh, Cliff is talking to Laura and says that, you know, she gets angry. But since he's been with her a couple of days, that's long enough for him to know that she's not really all the way next level evil. And she says she is who she is. And he's like, bull effing poop. He's like, there's always a chance to change. He says, take him, for example. He's every bit the D-head that she is, but back in that pickle jar with his brain cut off from all sensation, he had a revelation or whatever, that he's going to do everything he can, work as hard as, as possible to try to change himself. If he can do that, he knows she can too. So stop this thing now. Stop, stop, stop. And then it's some smoke starts coming up, and it stops in the middle of like a, a wheat field. So it turns out he can control it, and he laughs. And as she threatens to, to smash him, you know, she's grabs like his wrench off the wall and is about to smash him in his brain in the, the, the robot brain body, little thing. And he's like, are you going to kill me? He's like, I already effing, I'm, it's like, I'm already effing dying. And she thinks about it, and she just drops a wrench. So she's about to jump out. He's like, let's pause and celebrate that you didn't just murder me. He's like, that means there's a non-FWAD person deep in there. She opens the door, turns into a bird, and like flies out. And he yells, what do I do now? He's like, I'm trapped in a robot body. And he's like, wait, I'm always trapped in a robot body. So Vic says Keeg isn't looking too well. Larry reminds him that he just parted ways with an ailing creature who made him his home for 60 absolutely poopy years. Vic says that he gets it. You know, his uncle had a golden retriever named Bo. He loved playing with Bo every time he'd visit. As he got older, Bo always stayed fit as a fiddle. At a certain point, he finally realized that the Bo he was playing with at 14 is not the same Bo that he played with when he was 8. So every time Bo got old and died, his uncle couldn't handle the pain, so he would get another Bo. And he says, you know, let Keeg be his Bo. Larry sighs. He's like, you know, until this moment, he's like, every event in his life was forced on him. Society forced him to marriage. The chief pulls some strings to have him cross paths with a negative spirit. But if he, he lets a parasite in, it'll be his choice. And if it goes sideways, which it always does, then he's the only one to blame. So maybe he should have just left him in the woods to the element. Vic's like, you know, forget who you were and the choices you didn't make he's like you chose not to leave keeg in the woods and you know you're not about to abandon him here because that's not the person he is so vic brings up the conversation larry had with himself and the flagellation he's like he told himself that he needed to let love in this is his chance the spirit was closer to him than anyone else it chose him so let it in rita arrives in florida at, at the, the Brains place, she sees a uh, smashed half robot man like on the ground. And she asks, she said, Cliff, what did they do to you? And the Brain says, take a guess. 
then she's like, oh, you are the brain. And the brain's like, and you're Rita Farr. Then he's like, effing Gargoax. Because he realized that the alien dude didn't kill her when he was supposed to. So Rita turns around and then she closes the balcony doors uh, to the place. Because she came in through the, through the back. Uh, Madame Rouge arrives at the sisterhood room and she looks around. It's like clutter. There's a record player still there. She turns it on. Um, and it's almost like, is there a tear on her face? She goes in the middle of the room and she whispers, love me. Don't look at me. And she dances a little bit. Then she sees a door. She's like, that's new. She goes in, turns on the light, and a time machine is there. So she goes in and turns it on. And then the, the computer machine narrator starts talking about, her, you know, where will she go? Uh, you know, she's like, you know, stop herself from ever working for the Brotherhood. And then she says that, you know, she could go back further, stop herself and save the others. Then she realized she can save Malcolm. So she can go back before she was Madame Rouge. But who was she before she was Lord DeMille? The ship narrator says that, but she realized that she couldn't go back and change herself. What happened will always have happened. And she starts yelling. She's like, well, how can I change myself? She's like, where can I go? She's like, she, you know, she just needs answers. So Jane tells uh, Harrison that Kay needs them and she needs her to make it happen. The others respect her and listen to her. Harrison also, um, she's like, she says, why would uh, we give up our freedom? It's like they can go anywhere the fog goes. And Jane says that, you know, she could just get the fog to give them a boot. She's like, she likes me. And Harrison asks if they were on the other side of rocks, would a girl dig them out? And Jane's like, you know her well enough to know she wouldn't let the, you know them crumble into nothing, which is what happens as long as they stay there. Harrison asks if she knows what she's asking them to give up, that you know they've only just begun to embrace their freedom. She reaches for candy, and Jane sees that Harrison's wrists are crumbly too. So Jane says, she tells Harrison, she's like, you don't care about freedom. You just love your, you know, what you love is control. You'd rather die and kill all of them than give all that up. So Vic is trying to merge Keeg to, to Larry, like holding him up to him, but something's not, not right. It's just, uh, it, it's, it's just kind of like swiping at, uh, his bandages. And Larry says that they're designed to be radiation proof. So maybe they're too strong for him. Vic said, asked to let him carry him just until they get to the house. And Larry can go to his uh, radiation proof room. Larry's like, but it could kill you. And Vic's like, well, that's my choice. He's like, Rita was right. He's like, I was afraid to go after the Brotherhood because I don't have any any powers. So he's like, I let Cliff down, and I'm not not about to do that to to Larry. So he tells Keeg they don't know each other, but he's there to help. And then Keeg starts zapping him. Clara hears uh, reports of a giant robot on the news. The newscasters are talking. He's like, where's the Justice League when you need them? Then she sees a giant robot. You know, she's in her car. She sees a giant robot sitting in, in front of her house. So um, Cliff tells her that he thought she might be worried. So he swung by to let her know that he's okay. He says that he knows this is like his ninth second chance, but he's ready to change. And she says that, you know, they just need to clear up the credit card stuff. And he says, oh, it goes um, beyond that. He's like way before the Parkinson's and before becoming a dumb robot. It's like he's been a poopy dad. He's pulled stuff when she was way was too young to remember, but he can't forget it. So he wanted to be special. He wanted to be the man. He was so focused on being great, he forgot to be good. She's like, it's okay. And he's like, no, it's not. He's like, he knows that the only people he needs to be special to is her and Rory. 
she's like, you don't need to, you know, to be special. She needs him to be healthy. So the brain reads a goodbye letter from Mala saying that he cherished her time together. Their friendship was one for the ages. He left behind a few things uh, that he was trying to um, tie that he left behind a few things was tying back to the brotherhood, including his Alanis Morissette CD, which he assured the brain was stolen. But I guess he secretly kept it. So just moments ago, he had the world at his fingertips. Now he doesn't have legs. So the good news is he still has the blueprints for the body and he can rebuild, but he needs some help. Rita's like, oh, and he says that if she helps him rebuild, he'll help her kill Rouge and then she will truly know evil. So she grabs a butter knife and she unscrews the, the top of the robot hand, head and she realizes that she and Rouge are alike. She's done dancing around the dark. She holds a hot tea kettle over the brain's ex- exposed brain. And he starts begging, saying, he's like, no, I can give you anything you want, the world. And she starts pouring the scalding water and the brain starts screaming. The fog brings Larry and Vic to the house. Larry helps Vic walk. He's grunting in pain. His eyes are glowing blue. Jane and Shelly arrive too. Jane asks if she was really just helping the others or was she trying to draw her in? And Shelly asks, she's like, which answer will get you to search for me again? Then the fog leaves. So Jane smiles and then walks and then passes out. So she arrives at the tunnel. They're all at the cave, all the personas. And the personas are like kind of digging through, you know, trying to dig out the rubble. Vic expels Keeg. An energy form flies out. Larry thanks Vic. He starts unwrapping his bandages. He swears that he will try to do best for him. He welcomes it in. There's some rumbling going on. Personas are, are digging. They feel the rumbling too. Harrison looks at Jane and then says, it's all right, everyone. It's happening up above. Let's focus on a task at hand. Hammerhead goes up to Jane and she's like, what the F did you give up to get Harrison to come down? And Jane's like, what does she love more than anything else? And Hammerhead says, control. She's like, she's the primary now? She's like, can you give that away? She's like, what's Kay going to say about this? And Jane says that she'll worry about that once she knows she's safe. Hammerhead says that, you know, she's no one's bitch. So um, she's like, now get it back up there. Jane uh, wakes up as Vic runs past her in the hall. They go outside and they see the time machine on the front lawn. Rouge comes out and asks them, who who are they? She she knows that she knows them. Uh, and she's like, oh, there's a note in my pocket. It says, you are Madame Rouge. You are a terrible person, but trying to change. You will come across people who despise you. It says Jane dresses like a deranged sock puppet, and Jane's like fair. And Larry, Boris Karloff, and she's like looks around. He's he's not there. Vic's like he's indisposed. He just had a baby. And Jane gives him a confused look. He's he says it's Larry's story to tell. Uh, Madame Rouge continues the letter, and Vic tracksuit stick up his ass, and he looks at Vic. Oh, it's you. And everyone hates you, especially Rita. You killed her greatest love. And she asks him, she's like, oh my God, am I that horrible? And Jane yells, she's like, bitch, you turned into a killer baby. So yeah. Then uh, Giant Cliff arrives and he says that he's come back to make amends and even brought back most of the stuff that he stole from them. So it's in his hand and he just like drops it. And Jane and Victor are like, hey, and she's like, my records and everything like that. Then he's like, oh, I, I can't stop because of the Parkinson's. So he's still walking and everything and it kind of veers off and he's headed towards the town. 
So he's going to smash through the town now because he can't stop. Jane uh, teleports inside uh, the robot head, tells Cliff to shut up and tell her how to stop this thing. And he's like, I'm not sure. Rouge asks Vic if he does anything heroic. And then she's like, he says he's still trying to figure it out. And she's like, oh, you're a useless person. Then uh, energized Larry flies out. Vic asks if uh, Larry's in there. They need him to stop Cliff. He's the giant robot. Then Larry's body falls and uh, to the ground and the energy just goes off. Vic runs after. Rouge continues reading. These people you will meet are morons. If they get into trouble, and they will, you can and should help. This is a key to your redemption. She yells for them to wait that she can help. Then um, hands grab her throat. Rita's like, you're not doing anything. Jane tries hitting random buttons. Then she pulls a lever. An alarm glows off. And Cliff's like, "Uh, I'm pretty sure you just pulled a self-destruct lever. She calls him an effer. And he's like, I'm the effer? She's like, you're the effing what? And so they're just like arguing back and forth. Rita realizes that Rouge doesn't... um, Madame Rouge? Rogue? Rouge? Rouge doesn't remember her. She's, um, she says, you know, look into her, her face. You know, she wants her to remember. And she's like, how could you do this? Like, we were a family. And Madame Rouge starts to remember. And she's like, I destroyed it. And she's like, you built a beautiful life with Malcolm. And I destroyed it all. And she says that she's sorry. She's like, you have every right to kill me. But I'm not worth it. Cliff and Jane talk about um, what might they do now. You know, what should they blow up? Um, he, you know, should they go to a, you know to a mall to blow, when he blows up? He thanks for her, her for always calling him out on his BS, and she says that you know he's pathetic, so it makes him easy to forgive. And then he's like, "That's it." And then she like uh like hugs the brain. So there's a, a little league game. This kid hits a, a home run, and then a giant robot comes. Everyone screams. Vic runs after. He's like yelling to stop. Cliff says, you know, then he's like, oh, I should have waited before apologizing. He's like, now it's just uncomfortable. And James tells him to shut up. Then there's like a big thud. Rita is giant and stops the robot. So she asks Cliff if he's all right. And he says that he just wants to go home. And she says that they can do that. So news reports of the robot came, you know, all the way from Florida until it was stopped by a group of superpowered eccentrics. Um, Rita turns the volume off the TV and Vic's like eccentrics. He's like, well, at least that's an upgrade from misfits. And Rita says that, you know, maybe they're different uh, people than they were the last time they saved the city since there wasn't any destruction like before. She's tired of people giving them labels. She says it's time they chose the labels themselves. She's like, who are they? What are, are they? Why are they? Maybe they're weapons, but a weapon is only as dangerous as the hand that it wields it. Maybe they can do some good. Jane asks if she wants them to be superheroes and kind of laughs. Vic says that, you know, she waits until he ditches his weapons to decide that. Larry says that, you know, they saved the town from themselves. But Rita says, but they're not perfect, but they're trying to be good, which is more than most. And she looks over at, at Rouge, so who's there as well. Vic stands up and says, he's like, I'm in. And Larry's like, yeah. He says that, you know, Keegan, he will give it a try. Giant robot cliffs outside. He's like, hell yeah. He's like, I'm all in. Rouge stands up and says that she'll do it. And Rita looks uh, at her. And Rouge's like, if you'll have me. And Rita's like, are you honestly expecting me to believe that you've changed? And Rouge's like, I haven't. She's like, but I want to try. It's like, like the rest of you. Cliff says that he'll vouch for her. Rita says, fine. 
Um, she supposed this is the easiest way to keep an eye on her. They all look at Jane, who's still sitting, and she gets up, and she's like, yeah, up, up, and away, or whatever. And then Cliff's like, F yeah. He's like, I got our team name, Doom Force. And Larry's like groans. Cliff's like, it'll be sweet. We'll get costumes with a bunch of pockets and poop. And Larry like like shusses him and he turns the, the, the volume on the TV up. Breaking news alert. In the Suez Canal, moments ago, a creature has emerged from the Mediterranean Sea and caused utter devastation. So Rouge is like, what kind of monster is that? And Cliff's like, because so Cliff's outside, by the way. He's still in the giant robot. And Cliff's like, that's not a monster. That's a big nut sack with demon pubes. And Rita's like, actually, that sack is fate. She's like, are they not a super team? Do they not need a foe? And Larry's like, how do we even get to the Suez Canal? And Rita asks Jane if there's any chance Flit could, and Jane faints. So Rouge says, I have an idea. Jane goes into underground through a doorway that's dug out through the rubble. Harrison is sitting there. Jane asks where Kay is, if is you know, she alright. Harrison says that they'll get to that soon enough. But first, they had a deal. It's time for her to make good. So Jane sits on a stool across from Harrison. So they're gonna talk about this control thing. So the others go inside Cliff. Rouge is putting tape up uh like on a unconscious Jane who has her name on it. So they're putting her names on everyone's foreheads. Vic puts up this big poster sheet with a team's mission. Number one. You are a super team. Number two, you have traveled from Ohio. Three, you are at the Suez Canal. Google Suez Canal if need be is in parentheses. Another parentheses, Google is a search engine and a computer. Number four, you are here to deal with a large creature. Five, you will note a creature when you see it. Six, attempt something first. It's I, You can't really re, can't read that. Seven says try not to something. Couldn't read that. Um, Rita is a... Uh, down in the time machine so they're set to arrive at the suez canal three minutes into the future but it's like wouldn't they go back wouldn't they give themselves time to get acclimated or whatever larry wonders if they're rushing into this and rita's like absolutely so she hits the control switches cliff yells out doom force and the other's like no and he grabs the time machine he holds it while it starts digging into the ground and that's where it ends so they're going to go and they're going to lose their memories just so they can try to fight this creature and then hope that they can remember everything, which is just kind of like a bizarre, bizarre way to, to try to deal with the problem. But that's how they're going to do it. So that was it. I mean, like I said, I, I really enjoyed this, this season, the show. It was, it was just a lot of fun and um, I hope it comes back soon. I can't wait for the next season. And it's, it's, it's cool that Madame Rouge is going to be there, you know, because she's trying to redeem herself, but she's still evil. And so it's this is a good show. And I have to say, at the end, there's like, you know, behind the scenes stuff or whatever. And just the fact that this this actor playing Cyborg, he like even says Booyah. Like he's willing to say it. He's not like Ray Fisher who like refuses, like, oh, Cyborg wouldn't say that. So at least, no, Cyborg would totally say that. So I, I enjoyed the show. All right, um, I just want to talk a little bit about Army of Thieves. So I don't have a whole lot to say about this. I I thought it was just okay. It was, I you know, I wasn't super crazy about uh, Army of the Dead. This actually takes place before, and it focuses on Sebastian, the the safe cracker dude from from the movie. 
what the movie does, it, it fleshes out his character, shows us who he is. And he was an okay guy. You know, he, he, I guess he's kind of likable. But some parts of the movie, it's almost like the, the comedy was a little forced. Like the way he would like scream a little bit. Like when he would get, he'd get scared easily or whatever. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you see who he is. You know, he... He <laughs> kind of could relate in the beginning. You know, you see him. He's doing these YouTube videos, and uh, you know about like cracking locks and stuff like that. Then he gets there's a he finally gets a view because like no one's watching his videos, and he finally gets a, a view. And then there's like a notification or message, a comment, and it asks him to like, but but going to like. So I forgot what it was or something. Like that. It basically, the the comment gets him to go to this place. He goes there and then he's like in the middle of a competition. He doesn't even realize it. And it's like the safe cracking competition, and um, he gets pulled in and he does well. And this gets him to meet like some other people, and it it sets him up for this heist with these other people. And you know he wants. It, there's all a mention of this legendary safe, which I think is what he needs to crack into in army to dead or whatever. I'm, I'm trying to remember when they had to go to Vegas to, to go in there. So you see him like build up his confidence and, you know, take on different locks and stuff like that. He falls for this, uh, this lady. And every once in a while, there's mentions of like zombies, like starting to, to appear across the world and, and stuff like that. So this this is not a zombie movie. It's just it's a heist comedy movie with sprinkles of zombie like in the background, and then you know towards the end it does kind of mention some of the other characters, like you know you see Dave Batista or whatever. And but like overall, it was just okay. This was another movie where I I probably started it like it might have been like eleven, like ten or eleven or something like that. I think it was like 11, like about like just past an hour into it. You know, I'm starting to get like a little tired. So may, maybe it's because I didn't get, I, I don't get, I do not get enough sleep. I can, I can tell you that right now. I, I need to, to sleep more, but I, I can't. That's a whole other thing. You know, so it's late at night and, you know, I'm watching it with the lights off and, you know, so I start getting tired. And so whether it's, it's it's because it's late and I'm tired or if it's because the movie's not totally completely keeping my interest, you know, it could be a combination of, of the two. I end up like rewinding it a little bit when I was like, okay, I think I missed something. It was just, it was, it was fine. You know, it, it's not a horrible movie. And, you know, like I said, the, the character Sebastian, he's, you know, he, he can be a likable character to, to an extent. And, you know, you got the, the other cast um playing along with him uh that the move because if it was just him you know that probably wouldn't be enough so it's it's good to have other actors other characters to bounce off of to help flesh him out like to show us who he is and, and everything like that but overall i when i watch it it's like okay did i really gain anything from watching this did this like change it you know and not every movie needs to like change your life or anything but i just felt like Okay, this shows us who the character is, but it's like I barely remember the first movie, or the, yeah, the which is now technically the second in this franchise, whatever you want to call it. So I don't know. I wasn't super crazy about Army of the Dead, and then now this. I I imagine 
when the next movie eventually ever comes out, maybe I should go back and rewatch Army to Dead. I don't really want to at this point. But yeah, so it was just it was an okay movie. I was not blown away at all. And I mean it was it's a good production and all that, but it just didn't do anything for me. So it doesn't everything doesn't have to be for me. It and this definitely wasn't. So that's really all I have to say. Not horrible, but it was just it was just what it was. Okay, then I want to speak us a, a little bit about Batman Year One, the commemorative edition. So this is a movie that came out in 2011. It's an animated movie. It's Warner Brothers Home Animation. It's really good production. You know, it's directed by Sam Liu, Liu and uh, Lauren Montgomery. So they they've done a bunch of these animated movies and. Um, I've interviewed the, these two, you know, a, f- a few times in a different projects they've done and everything. And, um, you know, I, so I did interviews for this movie. I, I kind of mentioned it before. Um, they're still up on comicvine.com somewhere. You know, you, you, it's, yeah, it's, they don't make it easy to find stuff, but, but they are still there. Um, so the, the movie, it's, it's basically, you know, uh, Frank Miller, is a his his story and um it's they, they they do a good job with it it's a short movie you know it's it's only it's only like 64 minutes so it's a frank miller david uh mazu Chelli. yeah i should mention him as well and this is probably i i like the story you know i i know i kind of have <laughs> things to say about all-star Batman and Robin, but this, this was different. This was uh really good. So you had, you know, Ben McKenzie as Batman. Brian Cranston was a commissioner Gordon. Um, Eliza Dushku was Catwoman. Um, Katie Sackoff was uh, uh, Sarah Essen. So, you know, we're really strong cast. It's, it's the, the year one story. So, you know, there, there's really not much to say. I don't really need to go into it. You know, it's, it's when, uh, Jim Gordon and his wife Barbara, they transfer. You know, he transfers from Chicago. He's trying to uh, be an honest cop in a really super shady police department. You know, there's a commissioner. Uh, what's uh, Commissioner Loeb? And um, things are just really bad. You know, he's just really having a hard time trying to be honest when you know they're really trying to push him to not do honest things. And then we have uh, Bruce Wayne returns home after being, you know, overseas, you know, training everywhere. He's working the build up like he, you know, he's not Batman yet. And he's trying to, you know, set that up and, you know, figure out like how is he going to continue or how is he going to do it, start his war on crime, you know, when he's not sure where to begin with and everything like that. And, um, then you know you have Sarah Essen come in, and you know Barbara's pregnant, and uh, Jim and Sarah just kind of start having an affair and everything like that, and so things get just like messy all over the place, and um, so it's just really good. And you can even I mean, even watch watching this again, you kind of see like, oh yeah, that's why you know Batman Begins did certain things because you know they 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 took some of these elements because there's there's some good things here, and so. It's worth watching, you know, if, if you haven't watched the original and if you're looking, you know, if you're interested because it's out on 4K, you know, it, it's definitely worth worth checking out. And it's one of those movies that, yeah, it should be in your 
uh, library. It is um, unfortunate that it's so short because, you know, the movies are usually like 70 something minutes, but this is like 60 something. That being said, I'm glad they didn't, you know, they, they could have tried to put in some fluff or filler, but it, it doesn't need that. So it just, it tells a story and it doesn't feel like it whizzes by, you know, it tells a complete story. So, um, I, I think that it's fine that it's shorter. There is also like the Catwoman um, short feature, so that that adds to it. There's a new um, special feature, you know, looking back and there's stuff like that. So you know, there there's other things on here as well. So it's not like you're just getting a, a sixty something minute, you know, video or disc or whatever. So I I would recommend it. It is cool. It's you know I enjoyed it the first time and it was it was nice to go back and watch because i haven't watched it in years i haven't probably watched it since 2011 uh but it, it w- was cool and it still holds up you know it you watch it now and it it feels just as as good you know as it was back then so just really great production and it's it's worth checking out and it, it with the, the remaster it, it looks great so it's a uh, it's it's worth checking out if you, if you haven't seen it, especially if you haven't seen it Okay, and this week's movie feature is Red Notice. So this is a movie um, written, directed by Rawson Marshall Thurber, which I'm not sure. Let's see. Um, He's best known for directing Dodgeball, A True Underdog Story, Word of Millers, Central Intelligence, and Skyscraper. I didn't realize that. Um, the movie, as you're probably aware of, it stars Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. And um, there's some other people as well. There's uh, Rita Ar- Arya. Oh, she was she was in Doctors. And um, Chris Diamatopoulos. He was um, he was familiar. He was in Silicon Valley. That's where I started watching it. Um, so the movie... It's not getting good reviews. What is it at Rotten Tomatoes? Let me look that up. Okay, here is a problem. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics give it, uh, so it's at a 39%. And that is based off 114 reviews. 39%. That is not good. The audience score, based on 100 plus verified ratings... So I guess they have some verification system in, so it's not like just anyone can just review it or whatever. Um, you have to have like a legit account or whatever. It's at a 92% from the audience. So 39%, 92%. That's um, that's kind of kind of ridiculous. Uh, this movie has the biggest opening on Netflix, biggest first day, and it's, so it's broken records. People are, are seeing this. I mean, it, with Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot, I mean, that's that's a draw. Even if you don't know anything about the movies, you're probably a fan of one of the three, if not all of them. So you're probably going to want to see it. As I mentioned earlier, uh, I had a chance to see it in a theater. And, and I could have watched it for free on Netflix because I'm paying for, I mean, quote unquote free. I'm paying for Netflix regardless if I watched it or not. So I, when I saw I was in a theater, I was like, Oh, maybe I should watch it early. Um, you know, that way I don't have to watch it Friday night. So even though I'm recording this later than I usually do, 
but I'm glad I watched it on a big screen because there there's a lot to see. It's not crucial for the big screen, but it is cool to see. You know, this is an action movie. There's there's a, a lot into the production. Uh, I mean, this the, the budget um, is a two hundred million dollars. This is like a really expensive Netflix movie, which it's like how I I don't understand how they they fund these things like how they make any money whatever but it's a it's it's a good production movie now the movie itself before i get into any specifics it's um there's some cliche moments there's a lot of like the the typical tropes you might expect or whatever but it, because of the actors and their, their their charisma and their their chemistry together, I think they do a, a good job. There's a couple parts of dialogues a little cringy, but for the for the most part, it was a really fun and enjoyable movie. The, uh, towards like the third act, there's this one scene that really. I mean, there's a lot of you know stretching the the whatever sense of sense of disbelief. I don't know why I can't think of that now. But there's this one part, there's like this chase scene and the location of the chase scene, it's like, really? You have this big, long stretch of place where you're driving through all these tunnels, basically, that all these tunnels existed. And I mean, there, this is a long, long series of tunnels, which is just like that, that to me, (laughs) despite everything else, that was the one part where I'm just like. This is this is too much. This I don't I don't buy that these tunnels would be there. That there would be these big this big long crazy chase scene. That was the only problem I had with the movie. Um, Ryan Ryan Reynolds. I love Ryan Reynolds. I some people I don't understand how they don't like it. he. I've I've loved them ever since Two Guys a Girl in a Pizza Place. I love that show. I finally found a DVD box set that I I. I I got and the show is the show was not great but he was hilarious in it and and uh, Nathan Fillion was, was in the show too so yeah, you should watch it if you ever can and I, I feel like watching that now there's so much I want to watch and so Ryan Reynolds is great and just the the, the bickering because basically he's uh he's a a, a a thief he's like an art thief and Ryan Reynolds, or, or not Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson is like the, he's a criminal profile for the FBI. So he's, he's the, basically the cop going after Ryan Reynolds. And then Gal Gadot is uh, another like a uh, art thief type of thing, person. So with uh, Dwayne Johnson and Ryan Reynolds, you know, them being on, on opposite uh, sides or whatever, they don't they're they're you know they're enemies in in a sense but ryan reynolds is just so hilarious and which is just just his delivery and everything like that and the stuff that he says to to dwayne johnson it, it's it just it cracks me up and dwayne johnson you know he dwayne johnson is dwayne johnson you know he's he's always good he, he plays the roles well there's a lot of similarities what he does but you know he does a, he does a, a good job at it and gal gadot She's just a very charismatic person as as well, you know. When she, some of the lines that she has to deliver and everything is just it's it. If it was like anyone else, it would be a little cringy. But she just she manages to just deliver it and just you know makes you want to embrace her her dialogue or you know her her delivery. You know, you you just it's like okay, 
you know so it's just with, with all that is it's it was really good so basically what happens without giving too much away there's this hunt for these these three bejeweled eggs from that were Cleopatra's and they were like lost and you know whatever all this time two of them are, are known there's a third one that's that's not known or whatever and so this is kind of going after the these these eggs um something happens and Dwayne Johnson ends up getting framed and he ends up kind of getting arrested and and then spoiler him and and Ryan Reynolds end up in this like Russian gulag like uh just prison like on the top of a mountain in the middle of you know nowhere like and, and there's some funny part there's like the one part that cracks you know it's it's not gonna i'm gonna ruin the joke or whatever but uh they get put on a like, work detail and, and they're like they're in the kitchen or whatever and at one point ryan reynolds like the dwayne johnson's like he's like why are you wearing a hairnet you're bald just the way he said it. He makes this other comment about Dwayne Johnson being bald, which was cracked me up. So it's it's basically you know the, the hunt trying to get. There's this other art dealer dude, and they want to try to get uh not necessarily revenge, but they want to um catch because basically Dwayne Johnson wants to arrest Gail Gadot. And Ryan Reynolds basically just wants to one up her because, you know, there's a competition as, you know, because she's like outsmarted him and, and stuff like that. So some of the decisions that Dwayne Johnson makes, it's like, uh, wait, you're you're trying to clear your name and you're kind of doing some things. But he's kind of looking at putting things on a line so he can try to get uh, Gal Gadot's character and everything like that. So there is, you know, some stuff here and there that is just like, really? But, you know, you you'll, you accept it for the sake of the movie. So it was just, it was a lot of fun. And like I said, you know, there's just big, big uh, action. A lot of different, you know, not not a lot, but there's uh, different locations where they, they have to go for different things. And <laughs> I almost forgot. There's a, a, a guest appearance, a cameo at the end. Um, there's this... Uh, wedding and there's a someone there that that cracked me up and and and, and yeah so it's it's worth watching i i liked it so it's on netflix uh don't listen to the critics it's not gonna be an oscar winning movie you know it's it's a it's an action movie it's a silly action movie but it's it's just it's a lot of fun and you know just the characters it's crazy, you know, to have these three characters in, in one movie, and it's crazy that this is like a, a streaming movie, and this just goes to show that stuff made for the streaming services, there's some quality stuff, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be looked at as like a second-rate production. You know, HBO Max is doing some good stuff, Hulu's doing great stuff, or yeah, Hulu's doing good stuff great stuff maybe great stuff but uh you know netflix is doing great stuff and yeah not everything that any of those the, the services do they're not all great you know who uh, i'm getting my streaming there's too many streaming things uh you know and disney plus is doing great things don't want to forget them but yes some of the netflix movies aren't great but this is a this is a good production. You know, it's it's a really good movie. It's not a great movie because it's a silly story. You know, it's a silly plot, but there's a lot of entertainment value out of it, 
And that's the important thing. So I haven't read the reviews and I, I don't even want to look at the little, I, I, I'm, I'm tempted to kind of look at the little short things to see what, what the different critics say, but I kind of don't really care. I'm really, you know, every, every time a movie comes out, I'm like losing the, you know, more and more. I don't like reading reviews because I rarely tend to agree with them. And sometimes I do, but it seems like um, it almost seems like comic reviewers are more realistic, and it it seems like movie reviewers are getting more and more hoity-toity. You know, it's like they're they're trying to. It's it's like you're writing a review for an, an online outlet that it's not. You know, I I just don't know what the thinking is you know people just want to know like is this any good they don't need this full-blown analysis i mean there there's places that should do that and probably do that well but i think for the most part people just need to chill a little bit and it's just like you know when you look at these movies especially a movie like red notice you know with some of these different movies like eternals you're looking at it are you going to be entertained you know there's going to be some things that aren't going to be perfect but you you're, you should be willing to overlook certain things for the sake of the overall entertainment package. And that's how I, I'm looking at this, where this was a fun movie to watch, and I'm, I'm glad I saw I'm I'm glad I paid to see this in a theater. I'm I have no regrets at all paying to see this movie because it was it was fun. And I'm you know, I'm sitting I, I saw a, a four forty showing. I think there's one other person two other people maybe. So I was like in my safe little bubble, you know, towards the back of the theater, um, eating my popcorn, watching this movie with a smile on my face. And it, it, it was, it was fun to see. So I recommend it. it. It's worth watching, especially if you like the characters, if you don't like the, any, you know, the actors, that's what I meant to say, you know, it, it that could be a different story, but I feel they're just so much fun to watch in you know whatever movies they do so it's it's worth checking out so there's nothing more to say about that so maybe that wasn't like a full-blown in-depth discussion about it and I you know I don't want to go more and I feel like I've said too much about the story but you kind of kind of figure certain things out but um I do want to say I one more thing I will say and I don't want to get too specific I don't want to give anything away but something does happen towards the end that I didn't see coming. And is it a, a, a cliche thing? It could be, but you, there's absolutely no reason really to expect this. And I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of people who are like, Oh, I saw that coming. I predicted, I knew this was going to happen. I saw it coming, whatever. And it's like, okay, yeah. Did you really, okay. Pat yourself on the back. You know what? Do you want a, a bozo button? As they used to say, people, some people don't know who bozo is, but that's, that doesn't matter. The, the, the thing that happened, I wasn't expecting it to happen. And I, and I like that as, as again, that could be considered cliche or whatever, but I think it was, was cool because I was like, Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Now what? So it's, it's just, it's worth checking out. So that's all I'm going to say about it. Red notice, watch it. There's a reason that it's a, so I wonder how to, if they track, like how many people watch the entire movie, you know, did people start watching it and stop, but people are giving it high scores and whatever. So, and, uh, okay. So just to go with, with that, uh, so that's, uh, you know, 
on on Rotten Tomato, but on IMDb, who is sometimes kind of kind of harsh, it was a little higher. Now it's at a six point six out of ten, which is is pretty high for IMDb. You know, it. Uh, I feel like these online critics. There's a lot of times people are I just again negative to be negative. So so there's that Metacritic's at a thirty nine, but um, you know a six six point five out of ten. That's like a sixty five percent if if you want to look at that. So uh, people, you know, very enjoyable, typical heist um, thing upgraded by the actor's charisma, which is kind of what I said. Smooth but entertaining. What do you say when three A list friends want to hang out and have fun on Netflix time? Thank you, Netflix. Red hot. Heist thriller with lots of action twists and power-packed entertainment. So ridiculous, it's brilliant. Nicely executed, action-packed heist movies. Um, forgettable and basic, but altogether not bad. Should this film be noticed, or is it right on arrival? What? They, they gave it a 7 out of 10. Um, so, there you go. Uh, you know, Take it for, for what it is. I think you should watch it. And on that note, um, I think I should say thank you for listening to this episode. And I want to say thank you to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken because they are big supporters. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And I'm currently talking about uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. So um, I did issue one last week. I'm going to look at issue two this week. And before I talked about um, All-Star Batman and Robin, I did a lot of, like, uh, what do I do? West Coast Avengers, John Byrne stuff. So a lot, a lot of good things. I talked about Dune. I talked about um, the 2013 Evil Dead so lots, lots of things that you can listen to. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck. And you could uh, buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. So what is going to be next week? Um, so we're going to have you know more Dexter, more Chucky. More Doom or more uh, Legends of Tomorrow, and um, I don't think there's any other show. Oh, I should have mentioned it earlier. There was a Shrink Next Door starting on Apple Plus. They dropped the first three episodes. I did watch those Friday. I don't think I'm going to talk about them in this show. I mean, obviously, I'm going to be four episodes by the time next you know next podcast comes out. Um, it's it's good. It's worth watching. I don't feel like I mean it's like a 30, 35 minute show. So it's uh, you know Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell. And um, what's her name? Um, Agatha Harkness. So it, it's it's an interesting show, but I don't think I'm going to talk about that. And I'm fine with some shows being shorter. Uh, next week, uh, you know, because there's other things to talk about. The Flash is starting up, you know, with this five part event or whatever. There's Riverdale, which I, I'm not going to talk about that, even though I'm tempted. And then. Um, Hit Monkey also starts up, and then the movie feature will be Ghostbusters. Cowboy Bebop also starts next week, but that will not be on episode two twenty one. So it'll probably be the following week, I think. I don't think I'm going to be able to do any by then. 
I, I feel like I should, but I just why I don't like these these Friday drops because that makes it hard for me to, to get to it. So that is going to be it. Uh, I hope you are doing well. Uh, this year is winding down. I mean, it's, it's going to be Thanksgiving soon in the U.S., and then we're getting, getting into the holiday season, holly jolly, all that stuff. So I hope you're doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. I hope you're finding time to just enjoy things. Yeah, I, I hope everything's working out, and I really hope you remember to be good to each other. <laughs>